you check to see if I'm connected? Because I'm not, I don't hear anything. Can you hear me?
Good morning, everybody. This is the Broward County Board, the County Board of County Commissioners meeting on Tuesday, sure. February 6, 2018. I barely got that right. Um, if you would all please rise for the Pledge of Allegiance. Thank you. Okay. And Mr. Mayor, uh, this is Steve Geller. I am present on phone. Thank you. Is also uh, Commissioner Sharif on the phone? Yes, I am. I'm on the phone. Okay, then we have almost everybody here. And since, right. And since it's almost our uh, uh, birthday, Commissioner Ryan's birthday, we're going to let him. I know, is I know. He our elder statesman? Uh, he's, he is our, he's almost our elder statesman. He's one away. We'll let him lead the pledge. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, liberty and justice for all. Thank you, Tim. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, it's also customary that we observe a moment of silence in honor of notable persons from our community who have recently passed. Colleagues, does anyone have any, anyone you would like to acknowledge? Commissioner Lamarca. Thank you, Mayor. It wasn't until this, this morning when I got here that uh, Willsey Lawson from uh, Senator Bill Nelson's office informed me that uh, Gladys, a uh, longtime staffer of Senator Marco Rubio and before that uh, Congressman uh, Mario Diaz Ballard's office passed away and uh, was very young. And if you just keep her in your uh, thoughts and prayers. Anyone else? Commissioner Rich. Yeah, thank you. Um, a very special woman um, passed away suddenly uh, last week. Uh, she didn't live here in Broward, but her impact was felt in Broward County, throughout the state of Florida, the nation, and indeed the world. Her name was Dr. Mary Lindsay. She was the Florida hippie state director, and uh, she's a very kind person, um, tremendous passion for hippie. She served as the director of the Florida Hippie Home Instruction for Parents of Preschool Youngsters uh, program uh, at the University of South Florida Department of Child and Family Studies since it opened in 1996. Uh, during June of 2015, she was among a group who participated in a two-week pilot project in Nigeria one of the places where we have the hippie program, uh, where they piloted um, it with 19 different communities. She was a very special person. Um, her, she will be missed uh, by her family and many, many people around the world who knew her, but she leaves an incredible legacy dealing with young children and their families. Anyone else? Let us also honor all the brave men and women who have served and continue to serve in our armed forces, both here and abroad, and thank them for their service. Thank you. Please take your seats. Welcome, everybody. I know we have a, we're going to try to make this a quick meeting because we have a lot of us going up to Broward Days in Tallahassee, so we're going to move this along as fast as we can. The music today was selected by Commissioner Bogan. He selected 25 or 6 to 4 by Chicago, which is, I think, when we catch our flight. You know how, you know how, that, you know how they name that, 25 or 6 to 4? It's about time. The other one. Yeah, it's either 25 or it's 26 to 4 or something like that. Anyway, and you're the inspiration by Chicago. I was thinking you were going to do take me out to the ball game, but no, not, to, not today. I'm going to start that. Okay. <laughs> Don't, go there. Don't go there. We have two proclamations today. The first is to acknowledge Pilgrim Day. Uh, it will be presented to Miguel Pilgrim, and it will, will be presented by Michael, uh, Commissioner Udine. Please make your way to the podium. Okay, and Vice Mayor Bogan. <laughs> 
you guys all should come down. We should all present it to Mr. Douglas. He's doing so much for well, We can do a, a big picture at the end, okay? Whereas Miguel Pilgrim is a resident of Coral Springs, Florida, known for his volunteer work and philanthropic endeavors since winning the Florida Lottery in 2010. Whereas Mr. Pilgrim is part of a Navy family and began his career in the military, serving as a petty officer in the U.S. Navy in Desert Storm, where his sister also served. His father is a Vietnam veteran and his brother served in the Navy. Whereas after the Navy, Pilgrim put his knowledge to use working security at casinos in the U.S. and Asia. However, he missed the travel the Navy allowed him, so he jumped the chance to work aboard Star Cruises. In 2002, Star purchased Norwegian Cruise Line, and Pilgrim was tapped to assist in the handover of the Global Security and Surveillance Program. He worked for NCL for a decade, becoming second in command of Global Security and Surveillance. Whereas in April of 2010, Pilgrim picked the winning numbers for a $52 million jackpot in the Florida Lottery, choosing the one-time lump sum payment for his winnings in the amount of $29 million. And whereas, after winning the lottery, Pilgrim formed a Pilgrim Group, which began renovating commercial, residential, and maritime real estate, mostly in the Fort Lauderdale area. Over the past few years, TPG has established a lifestyle brand that span, spans from eateries to executive suites. And Whereas Pilgrim believes strongly in giving back to his community, he doesn't just give money, he believes in getting involved and routinely volunteers at local organizations, including the Boys and Girls Club, United Way, and the Pace Center for Girls. And whereas Pilgrim has said that the idea of discipline and service to something greater than himself is in his DNA, he happily works 12 or more hours a day, serves the community, and enjoys seeing his vision and brand come to life. Now, therefore, be it proclaimed by the Board of County Commissioners, Broward County, Florida, that the board hereby designates Tuesday, February 6th. Today is Miguel Pilgrim Day in Broward County, Florida. I'd like to say thank you. Um, it, it always amazes me to get an award or a proclamation for doing what I think you're supposed to do. Um, it's just the way it's, it's the way you're supposed to be. I think I, giving to the community, learning from the community, um, using your resources, not just financial resources. I think uh, your experience as well, and that's how you get back to the community. Service to others because you're serving yourself. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. We're gonna probably do, let's do a big picture in the front. Bring this with okay. you. Yeah. Yeah. My team. My team. Yeah. Bring the team up. Gotta bring the team up. Right, we're gonna go right in the front. Are right, everyone coming down here? Yeah. All right. Do you have the numbers for this weekend? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if we're allowed to take the numbers. Quick pick. Is that what it was? Quick pick? Yeah. I'll just. Quick pick. Quick pick. 
Okay, as our county commissioners and mayor and vice mayor sitting down, is our airport director here? Mr. Mark Gale, are you in the building? It pains me, you don't know how deeply it pains me to say this, but congratulations, fly eagles fly. <laughs> but there's always next year. <laughs> Thank you for that. The, uh, the, final is, the final proclamation is to honor Travel Host Magazine's 50th anniversary. And it will be presented to Ina Lee by Commissioner LaMarca and Commissioner Ryan. Okay. All right, if I could ask uh, Ina, you're here, and if I could ask Sharon and everyone else to come behind us wearing all that turquoise. So before I indulge you with uh, this day that is uh, very, very warranted and very deserved, um, Ina and I are uh, uh, good friends, and I think we, we, uh, we've come to realize that um, you do yoga, and I probably need it. Um, I'm a Republican, you're not. Um, and some other things, but we, we do understand about uh, serving the community and hospitality and why people come to Broward County, and that was uh, 38,400 truckloads of sand put on our beach, and uh, outside of elected officials and folks who get paid to do it at Broward County, there's probably no uh, harder-working, harder uh, dedicated public uh, investor in our beaches in the time that I uh, spent in Tallahassee and down here. Um, and uh, Commissioner Ryan, you know Senator Geller, um, sorry, Senator uh, Negron fairly well. Um, for him to give her a nickname and, and smile every time he sees her or hears her name is a pretty good thing, so. He gave me a nickname too, but I'm not allowed to say it here this morning. <laughs> okay, uh, this proclamation is, it's been requested by both myself and Commissioner Ryan because Commissioner Ryan is gonna be presenting it tonight at the anniversary of Travel Host. Thursday night, Thursday night. Either way, I'm not here. So, whereas James Eberger, the founder of Travel Host Incorporated, created a weekly TV guide for Marriott hotels in, in the mid-1960s. And then in 1967, Travel Host combined television, cable, and programming listings. I wonder how many cable stations there were in 1967. Listings with targeted local guide information in local cities. Whereas during the early 1970s, Travel Host was the first to pioneer the national and local formula in the publishing industry expanding its national brand through a unique system of local ownership. Whereas by the early 1980s, Travel Host established itself, itself as the number one magazine in the market share in the hotel magazine industry. And whereas in November 2013, Travel Host was sold to Bill Schroeder, who expanded the company from a strictly publishing business into a multi-dimensional multimedia business and whereas today travel host is the premier destination resource and is celebrating 50 years of serving millions of travelers around the world and whereas in 1980 travel host of greater fort lauderdale was created by ina lee her publication is now recognized as the best travel host in the country out of 50 other editions Throughout the years, as owner and publisher, she has expanded Travel Host into a fully integrated media company with an extensive digital and social media footprint. And whereas, Ina has also dedicated her time to the community. She has been recognized as a tourism icon. I don't have my glasses. <laughs> In the city of Fort Lauderdale, Walk of Fame. Citizen of the Year, City of Fort Lauderdale, and Carolyn Michaels Leadership Award, and Small Business Leader from the Greater Fort Lauderdale Chamber of Commerce, Broward Day's Advocate of the Year, 
and is a uh, founder of Winterfest. Now, therefore, be it proclaimed by the Board of County Commissioners of Broward County, Florida, the Board hereby designates Thursday, February 8th, 2018, so that you have your day separate from Mr. Pilgrim, as travel host of Greater Fort Lauderdale Day in Broward County, signed by our mayor, but uh, with the seal of approval by everyone on this day, and really everyone in Broward County. We appreciate what you do, Ina. Yeah. And I'll... I know you have some comments about uh, just very short. Well, for short 50 years, um, we'd like to say a travel of 50 is the new 30, but given I'm 72, 70 is new 50. So um, <laughs> I like that. So uh, we're very humbled and honored by this. But in honoring travel host, you really are honoring the tourism industry. Because over the last 50 years, we estimated 250 million visitors came here, and they spent $140 billion. So today we are giving, where's our check? We have a check for you. To the citizens of Broward County, $140 billion. That's larger than that lotto check. <laughs> From the tourism industry. And so we really are accepting this proclamation today on behalf of the 180,000 people who work in this industry every day in this community. The housekeepers, the bell captains, the valets, the general managers, the leadership teams, I could go on and on and on because every day we won the lottery because they dedicate themselves to service and hospitality. I know that Stacy's here some day, somewhere too. Our Convention and Visitors Bureau is second to none. And every day, they fight for this industry. So I also would like to recognize my team, because it does take a team. My sister, who has worked with me for 30 years, we've never had a fight. And today's her birthday. So, Tim. Happy birthday. Who is your mother? <laughs> I just need to know, since I have five brothers, how do you go 30 years without a fight with a sibling? Well, if you had Ina Lee as a sister, then you would know. Okay. So again, we really want to thank you all, and it's an honor to serve this industry because we won the lottery because this is what we get to do every day. So thank you very much. You want to take a photo up there? So 100, 180,000 people, that's 10% of our population in the tourism industry and hospitality. So that's, that's a big deal. That is a big deal. You want to come up for a picture? Okay, thank you. Thank you for both, both Ina and uh, Mr. Pilgrim. That was great. Uh, with that, I'm going to read the Tuesday morning agenda. 
Memorandum. The following requests are submitted for your consideration. Consent items are 1 through 27. Public hearing items are 28 through 31. And regular items are 32 through 47. I request the following withdrawals, Scrivener's errors, and inclusion of additional information. Item number four, withdrawals. Item number 45, withdrawn at the request of the mayor and will be brought back for consideration at a later date. Scrivener's errors, item number 28, exhibit one, page six, line two, currently reads, the claim amount that does, that was in quotation marks, it should read, the claim amount does. Took out the that. Item number 39, motion currently reads, appointment to the Culture Council should read Cultural Council. Additional information, item number 30, pertaining to motion B, staff recommends that section A be stricken from exhibit three. This will allow staff to separately address the February 2nd, 2018 recommendation from the Animal Care Advisory Committee to consider adding at-large members to the committee. Item number 31, the Office of Management and Budget requested the board's vote on this item also include the adoption of the additional motion statement referenced in the additional material distributed previously. Item number 37, the county attorney's office has requested that the board's vote on this item should be based on the replacement motion distributed as additional material. Uh, I also request that these items be moved to consent, number 33, 34, 35, 36, 37, 42, 43, 45 and 47. Correct. 45 was withdrawn. Not 46. <laughs> Additional material, 10 a.m. meeting. Uh, item number 1A-1C, our board appointments. Item number 36, email correspondence submitted by Commissioner Udeen. Item number 37, replacement motion submitted by the Office of the County Attorney. Item number 38, memo to the board from the office of the county attorney. Item number 38, parentheses two, correspondence to Commissioner Holness from Lakdas Yahalem Engineering. Item number 45, uh, memo to the board from the county administration. Item number 46, memo to the board from the office of the county attorney. Item number 46, parentheses two, letter to the county administrator from FDOT. Additional material, public hearing, item number 30, memo to the board from the Environmental Protection and Growth Management. Item number 31, memo to the, to the board from the Office of Management and Budget. And item number 31, parentheses two, testimony to the board from Scott Greenberg, Executive Director of the LGBTQ Freedom Fund. And with that, are there any pulls from the consent agenda? Starting with Commissioner Holness, none. Commissioner Lamarca. No. I'm going to I'm going to go to Commissioner Geller. Any pulls from the consent? No, sir. You've dealt with the two I had. Okay, thank you. And Commissioner Sharif. None, Mayor. Thank you. Uh, Vice Mayor Bogan. None. Commissioner Ryan. A pull item twelve. And also, Mayor, request that you um, you take up after consent agenda item 31, which is the adult civil citation program. Our chief judge is here in the audience, and um, we don't want to leave him waiting for uh, the other items that are not on consent. If you would, sir. And we'll consider that. I, Commissioner I, Dean. Item 18, simply to announce an abstention. Okay. Commissioner Rich. No polls. 
And we have a pull from the public for item 14. Okay, do I have a motion to approve? I have a motion and a second. Yeah, okay, all those in favor? Aye. Any, any opposed? Aye. Okay, the, the, that passes unanimously. Commissioner Sharif, did you vote on that? Yes, I did, okay. aye. Okay, thank you. Uh, that passes unanimously. Okay, with that, let's see what time we got here. Commissioner Holness, how long do you think that item will be? Okay. Uh, with that, because I'm going to take your, I'm going to, I was going to do the wave first at 1030, but given, okay, I think we're going to be able to do that. And with uh, deference to our chief judge, we'll do this. We'll go to item 31. Let me go to that real quick. Is it 31? 31. Okay. This is a public hearing, and this is a motion to consider enactment of an ordinance, the title of which is as follows. An ordinance of the Board of County Commissioners of Broward County, Florida, amending section 21-6 and section 8.5-16 of the Broward County Code of Ordinances to create a Broward County Adult Civil Citation Program. With that, I will open the public hearing. And... Church Duda. Did I have that? Oh, here it is, okay. I have two people to speak on this, and the first one is our Chief Judge, uh, Jack Tudor. And, and I'd ask uh, Judge Tudor to tie this in a little bit with what he's talking about for community uh, courts. Uh, good morning, uh, Commissioners, uh, Mayor, and thank you all for uh, <laughs> calling me up on this uh, first. Um, I speak uh, in favor of this uh, ordinance as I have the last couple times I came here. Uh, I think it's uh, something we need to enact here in Broward County. Anything we can do to uh, divert some of these folks away from the county jail and the expense associated with that, I favor as does the state attorney, the sheriff, uh, the public defender, and everyone at the courthouse. Um, I, I would be neglectful if I didn't uh, invite you all uh, next Friday. We're having a Black History First over at the courthouse. It's a large event. We're providing free lunch, um, and we're going to, uh, Judge Holmes is sponsoring it, and it's a great event, so if you all have time, you can come over to the courthouse. We'd love to have you. Um, I sent some of you all uh, a little bit of a message regarding community courts, which is something that uh, I think I'm going to take on as chief judge. Uh, the idea is to divert uh, folks on municipal ordinances, petty crimes, etc., cetera, uh, from being taken to the jail to being taken to a community court type environment where services can be provided to these folks. What we're doing over there at the county jail with municipal ordinances isn't working. Um, I had one in there the other day that had been arrested 28 times in 27 weeks, basically. And so this uh, program would be to divert people to a place where they can go to, such as the main library, which a lot of them congregate at, provide public services to them, have uh, Henderson Mental Health there, the Homeless Coalition, um, anybody we can think of that could provide services because what we're doing just really isn't very successful. So I want to begin the, uh, the public dialogue of this. It's going to take many months to do this. I think it segues in with what uh, Commissioner Holness has before the commission now. Ms. Henry sent me something favorable on behalf of the county, as did the sheriff, the state attorney, the public defender. It's going to take some work, and we're going to have to uh, coalesce a lot of people to make it work. But I think if we do make it work, um, we're going to be able to save the county money and at the time provide services to some folks who really are in desperate need of services. So I thank you all for inviting me this morning. Thank you, and thank you for that initiative very much. 
Our second speaker is Nathaniel Green. Good morning. Yeah. Uh, my name is Nathaniel Green. I'm here speaking on behalf of the National Panhellenic Council, a uh, group of uh, <laughs> nine uh, traditional black sororities and fraternities uh, who provide service and scholarship to this community year-round. And although this particular bill may not touch and concern many of these college-trained individuals directly, it does affect them in their efforts to provide service to the community because many of those folks in their target service area is impacted when one, perhaps by mistake, get caught up in the criminal justice system. Uh, this group advocate this passage of legislation because, <clears throat> first of all, it's a win as it provides a second chance to those who may have just made a mistake, wrong place, wrong time. It's a win because the revenue gain actually will offset the revenue that is spent, the cost to house one in our uh, uh, holding facility and to process them for petty crimes. It's a win because it will relieve the court system of the unnecessary judicial resources that otherwise would be expended to process someone for re relatively very minor offenses. And therefore, on behalf of the National Panhellenic Council and all of our 300 plus college trained members and those of their families and those who they serve, we ask that you vote favorably for this legislation. Thank you very much. And with that, I'm going to close the public hearing. I'm going to go to Commissioner Holness to open and close. I'll just do a quick. <laughs> I was going to say, Mr. Mayor, if you yes. can add me to the queue, please. Okay. 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 Anybody? Like I'll to? be extremely brief. I know we're under time, and we've, we've talked about this issue. It, uh, Quite a bit. Um, uh, two two comments. Number one, to follow the gentleman uh, who was just at the uh, podium explaining why it's a win. I agree with him on uh, all of those issues. I also agree it's a win because it gives our uh, our, our public servants, our our first responders, our law enforcement folks who are out there every day. Uh, the discretion on these issues, and I think those, those are the folks that uh, we need to give a lot more credit than we do these days. And I also want to thank the Chief Judge for his comments and his dedication to this. He and I don't really know each other other than saying hello a couple times, um, but he is he has, I think, done more in, in the short period of time being in this post um, than I've seen from, from a uh, standpoint of moving people back into society and, and uh, trying to right some wrongs than, than uh, anybody in the past. So I want to thank him for his work. Commissioner Rich. Thank you. I would just say kind of ditto. <laughs> uh, I, I did want to mention um, and thank Judge Tudor um, because I've seen a number of uh, chief judges and you know they all had their direction and their ideas, but um, he is really um, cutting edge and he's really uh, showing a tremendous commitment to uh, a very vulnerable population in our community. Um, and I just wanted to say that I had asked to be listed as a co-sponsor, so I'd like to make sure that that is included. Thank you. Commissioner Geller. 
thank you, Mr. Mayor. Uh, I also will be brief. I just want to thank some people. I am listed as a co-sponsor because this is important to me, but I wanted to thank Commissioner Holness for taking the lead on this very important issue. And I also wanted to thank uh, the state attorney, the chief judge, the sheriff, because frequently law enforcement has been short-sighted and has opposed some of these items. And in this case, the prosecution, the judge, uh, the sheriff have all been supportive uh, on this. And I think that's important. And I, I do want to thank them. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Thank you. Commissioner Holness, to close. Yes, thank you very much. As I said, we will benefit the community. Uh, we will save quite a bit of money. If we look at the juvenile civil citation, since we've put it in place in four years, we've saved over $14 million. 94% success rate, only 1% recidivism. It is a powerful tool to use to bring uh, justice, to bring resources to people who are in need of it, and, and to really empower our community and make us stronger. Uh, I would also like to thank, thank all the people, or staff, or county attorney's office, uh, Judge Studer, Sheriff Israel, uh, Clerk of the Court Foreman, uh, Mr. Finkelstein, Mr. Weeks uh, from our Public Defender's Office, State Attorney uh, Satz, and, and, and so many others who have uh, assisted in bringing this to where we are. And with that, I make a motion we approve. I have a motion and a second. Anybody? Okay, I, I just want to say real quick, I think it's one of the most progressive um, ordinances we've ever put forward. I think, and congratulations to you, and thank you for, to, for bringing it to us. Um, I have a motion and a second. All those in favor? Aye. Any opposed? Aye. Aye. Okay, that passes unanimously. Congratulations. Thank you. With that, I'm going to open up uh, item number 46. And... This has to, <laughs> and this has to do with the wave. I have four, five, five people to speak on this, and I'm going to. If it's okay with everybody, I'm going to. Commissioner Rich, do you want to speak? Okay, and I'm going to um, have the public speak first, and so we're going to start with. Add me to the queue, Mr. Mayor. We'll do. We're going to start with Stan Eichelbaum, followed by Mary Fertig, followed by Dr. Warren Sturman. Hi, I'm Stan Eichelbaum. I represent the Downtown Fort Lauderdale Civic Association as president and FLAW, a group of professionals who have come together, engineers, lawyers, transportation experts, uh, financial analysts, community activists, and using resources across the country to examine this program over the last year. And since you last voted, much has come up, and I know you've been inundated with information. This is a very flawed program. Our new candidates in Fort Lauderdale are all unanimously against this, yet we are trying to move ahead when the future of the city says no. The reality is it's flawed in so many ways. It's flawed economically, $24 per ride versus terrific new systems coming forward at much better cost efficiency. It's 
flawed in rooting that everybody acknowledged. This is not intended originally to be a transportation system. It was economic development to the benefit of a few developers 16 years ago. It's flawed technologically. Even our mayor for it says it's totally flawed technologically. It's flawed in funding, taking money from a CRA that desperately needs it to create the issue that you have been such strong proponents on, a, the affordable housing issue. But it's most flawed in that it is, in fact, taking 16 years of negating public transportation within our city. Our group is the pro-transportation group. We want faster, more economic, more sensible to rooting and the needs of the community transportation, which can be implemented a lot quicker. I've worked on economic development from Portland, Oregon, where I saw a great conceivement of a system that is not totally light rail right now. At every turn, they go back, and I checked with their officials, and reassess each area for the economics, for the sensibility of rooting, and everything else to systems new in Dubai. I've seen this type of thing. This is not good sensibility for economic pro progression of our county. Thank you, Mr. Eichelbaum. Next, we have Mary Fertig, followed by Dr. Warren Sturman. Good morning, Mary. Hi, good morning. So two weeks ago, we had lots of people here, and then at 5.30 last night, we saw a tweet from our local reporter, Brittany Wallman, telling us you were having this meeting today. And all of our efforts, of course, were directed to tonight, but a few of us wanted to come and remind you that all of the speakers that were here last time felt very strongly about what they talked about. We are, um, I wrote you an email, I'm going to start with that just because it came late and you might not have seen it. In a city facing billions of dollars of infrastructure needs, the water, the wave will take money from the more critical challenges of water and wastewater. Our current public transportation system is failing with five of six trolley routes experiencing significant loss of ridership over the last three years. Traffic congestion continu continues to frustrate residents and tourists alike. In fact, when we go to meetings locally, we hear about tourists who are going other places because our traffic is so bad. And all of the literature on the wave says it will not relieve traffic congestion. In fact, we're afraid that adding the rails into the roads will actually increase the uh, traffic problems. The most disturbing experience sitting here in that last meeting uh, was listening to the discussion about how how to be successful, how the county could be in a successful in a lawsuit against the city. And isn't it, you know, I have to think that when a conversation like that is taking place in this body, that's the most compelling argument you have for ending this project. I'm going to give you, uh, these are copies, I have seven copies of an ad that was in the Sun Sentinel. Citizens in Fort Lauderdale, where you are putting this, are growingly in large numbers not wanting it. Put it to a referendum if you don't believe it, but you are placing a system in a city where its residents do not support it. Though we will financially, I am in the assessment area and under your new ILA agreement, you are binding us in a way that I think is just wrong. We have a citizen's petition ready to go. Under our charter, we have the ability to revoke commission uh, ordinances if we get enough signatures. You basically are negating that right by what you are doing with this ILA. I implore you. Please do not pass this ILA, take it back to the drawing board, come up with something that is more cost-effective, more flexible, and will provide better transportation. Thank you. Thank you, Mary. Next, we have Dr. Warren Sturman, followed by John Ropes.
Mayors, commissioners, thank you very much for your service and for allowing me to speak. I thank you all for the, your service to the community. Uh, my name is Dr. Warren Sturman. Most of you know me as president of the Rio Vista, but I'm here as a private citizen. I'm also a candidate for city commission. I just want to say two very simple things. Number one, uh, the opposition is labeled as a vocal minority, and that's a very big misconception. I've been to basically every neighborhood from the New River south to the airport, from the uh, beach all the way to 441, and I will tell you that in almost every single neighborhood, the wave is one of the top three areas of concern, and the opposition is almost unanimous. The citizens in the district of uh, District 4 are almost unanimously opposed to it. Therefore, if I am elected and I'm able to serve, I will vote against it. Um, and number two is, um, as a minimum, I do would ask you to at least allow the new commission coming up in March to take up this issue. Thank you very much. Thank you, Dr. Sherman. Next, we have John Ropes. Thank you, commissioners and Mr. Mayor. I'm representing the uh, Downtown Development Authority. I've been a uh, office, I mean, I've had an office here in uh, Fort Lauderdale since 1977 and been a residence, uh, had a residence here since 1979. So I've been around for a while. Uh, the WAVE is a project that is 16 years in the making. It's one that has that's had a tremendous amount of misinformation and, and negative articles in our newspaper, which is not always the most accurate. I will say this. When I first came on the DDA nine years ago, I heard a number of business leaders say, we want to be like Portland. And I often said, why don't we want Portland to want to be like us? Well, we're there. We are there. We're in the top 10 places to do business to make an investment in the United States based on two recent surveys conducted by the uh, representatives for the Urban Land Institute, which is a national real estate organization. For us to vote no on this project would be to move us backwards. We've had considerable support, not only from the local population, but from the county, from the, uh, from the state of Florida, and from the federal government. This is a process that has been in uh, moving along. It's something that's necessary. We need multimodal transportation in the city. If we want to move people efficiently, look at what's happening to downtown. If we want to move people efficiently, this is one of those systems. And not to say one of the, the least, one of the biggest things that happened to uh, Fort Lauderdale recently is Brightline. It's making us connecting to uh, Miami and uh, in Palm Beach in a very short period of time. Imagine getting off a of bright line, being able to get on the wave and go to wherever you want to go from there. That's what was anticipated when Brightline made their decision to be here, and that's what we hope to have you vote on today. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Ropes. Next we have Steve Glassman followed by John Millage. Good morning. Good morning, Mayor, Vice Mayor. It's nice to see so many of you again. County Administrator, uh, Commissioners, thank you for your service. My name is Steve Glassman. I'm a resident of Fort Lauderdale. I'm also a candidate for City Commission. Um, I wanted you just to get a sense of what I'm feeling on the ground for the last three months. I've been knocking on countless doors. I've been attending countless civic association meetings, uh, attending candidate debates and forums for the last three months continuously. I have not heard one constituent say, we want the wave. Um, 
That is the feeling of the people, and we're all elected to serve the people. Um, this is no longer an aspirational issue. This is a financial issue. The unlimited liability scares the heck out of me, and I think it should scare the heck out of the county. I read the attorney's memo last evening, and um, it's frightening. Um, no one really knows what to expect. And the residents of Fort Lauderdale want public transportation, don't get me wrong, but this is not the right system. Um, I heard a lot at the two weeks ago about um, the Utah system. And I wanted you to know that there's a very big difference between the Utah system and our roadways. They have wide boulevards. Um, Andrews Avenue is not a wide boulevard. Uh, we're going to be creating more of a traffic mess uh, than we already have. Um, I, I think we need to go back to the drawing board. Please do not saddle the city of Fort Lauderdale with this astronomical cost. I would also ask you to please be respectful of what's going to happen in a few weeks. There's going to be a brand new city commission. I don't know how in good conscience we, we just pass this over to that city commission and say, okay, this is yours to deal with. So out of respect, um, as one of the people that might actually be sitting on that dais, I would ask you and all of my colleagues and my opponent, who is also against the wave, to please say to you, um, let's just hold on for a little while. Um, $10 million in a grant that's coming up should not be the end all and be all for us to rush this. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Mr. Glassman. John Millage, followed by Ginny Morgan. Uh, thank you, Mayor. John Millage, General Counsel, Downtown Development Authority. Um, I'd like to address three main um, myths that we've been hearing about the wave. Uh, first, uh, myth number one, the project uses outdated technology. This is state-of-the-art technology that's approved for use uh, in the United States, and it would have to be that to get the federal dollars. Uh, this is a hybrid battery electric uh, vehicle that can run off-wire for significant distances. These are actually light rail vehicles. They're 80 foot, they're Siemens cars. Uh, and what does that get you with a light rail? They're larger and they can couple, so they can actually, you can increase the ca capacity, maybe port in the airport as it expands. Uh, the system also uses a light rail safety system, which is much more advanced than a normal streetcar system. Um, and, and, and that's like a, a train control system. It's also got integrated traffic signal prioritization, could change the street lights. Myth number two, autonomous vehicles and ride sharing will make the system obsolete. Uber and Lyft are single oc occupancy vehicles that do not take cars off the road. And in fact, they put more cars. If you, if you use Uber and Lyft and you look at your app, you see all those cars driving around, well, they have nobody in it. So they really create more traffic than less. And the second thing is a single car like that is not going to replace economically uh, a mass transit vehicle that can hold 160 people. A $10 trip is not going to replace a $2 trip for somebody that has to ride it, you know, every day back and forth to work. So the economics aren't, uh, don't work. Myth number three, the project costs too much. We just heard that uh, and uh, can be replaced by rubber tire. So 95% of the $200 million cost is paid by federal, state, and non-county sources. It can't be used for water and wastewater. So you're hearing that over and over again. We can use the money for that. No, you can't. You've got to repay it back. And there's been significant dollars that have been spent. That's got to be paid back, too, to the state and federal governments. Finally, light rail greatly influences development, as we've heard before. There's $3 billion of development in the last three years. That's $15 million in ad valorem taxes on an annual basis that you get from this uh, project. And rubber tire can't do that. Thank you so much. Thank you, Mr. Millage. Ginny, followed by Charlie Ladd. Ginny, how do you say your last name? 
Good morning. I'm Jenny Morejon with the Morning Downtown on. Development Thank Authority. Okay. <laughs> um, this is not about lawsuits. It's not really about popular or unpopular opinion. This is about solid urban planning, transportation planning, and a focus on the future. And just 40 years ago, the county implemented its first land use plan. And just last year, you updated that with Broward Next, with a renewed focus on transportation-oriented development, affordable housing, regional activity centers, all of the things that we're talking about with the Wave Streetcar. Uh, during this time also, in partnership with the DDA, the city, members of the Downtown Civic Associ Association, we focused on additional land use planning that really made the urban center of the county seat what it is today and what it is for the long run. And with that, the need for a modern, reliable rail transit system has always been in play. This growing urban center relies upon connections regionally and across the county, and the WAVE serves to start that process. And just to put some numbers in context, by the end of this year, we're estimating about 15,000 residents living on or near the WAVE route. That's with the existing development that's there today, as well as the projects coming out of the ground. Um, but as all of these other projects get approved, we're looking at a downtown and South Andrews population of about 37,000 people. That sounds like a lot, but a downtown master plan was developed about a decade ago that estimates with all the redevelopment opportunity that's both encouraged and planned, downtown and South Andrews area could grow upwards of 75,000 people. That's in addition to a daily workforce of almost 75,000 people employees of Broward County, the city of Fort Lauderdale, the hospital district, the school board that come downtown that need public transit, and all of the, ben the uh, visitors to this, this growing urban core. So when we talk about a program that only benefits a few developers, I want to be clear that this is about the 120,000 plus people that use downtown to live, to work, to learn, to grow, and to really make this a place for the greater community. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Morahan. <laughs> I'm going to get that right sooner or later. Uh, Charlie Ladd followed by Alan Hooper. Good morning. Good morning, commissioners. Um, as you, my name's Charlie Ladd, obviously. I'm a real estate developer. I've been involved in redevelopment of the downtown since approximately 1993. I've developed pretty much all the commercial properties on uh, Federal Highway between the tunnel and Sunrise. Doc B's, Fresh Market, Winn-Dixie, et cetera. So heavily involved in this area for over 20 years. Um, I was on the DDA when this started. I was involved in the finance plan. And I've been away for about eight years while downtown built up. Um, and the point, our big point of the wave was a, a pledge to the people to come and invest in that downtown that we would make it a viable place and a viable place for trans transportation. Since that happened in 2000, when there was basically zero residential in the downtown area, there's been about 7,500 units built, and there's about 6,000 units coming out of the ground or about to come out of the ground. One big point that's been made at the city commission level is, okay, if all these people built all this stuff, why do we need to do it? And downtown's built out. And I, I waiting to speak, I scribbled some numbers down. Um, North of Broward Boulevard and south of 7th Street, so outside the core between Andrews and Federal, there's about 173 acres. 22 acres have been built with multifamily. There's 118 acres available that support about 17,000 to 18,000 units. 
There's 22 acres west of Broward, next to the Bright Line, that, that are screaming for redevelopment. There will be redevelopment because that's going to be where people can live and jump on that thing and go to Miami and go to work. That supports about 3,000 units. The core there has been spectacular what's happened between Broward Boulevard and the river. There's been about 3,500 units built, um, and there's a couple thousand coming out of the ground. There's still six or seven sites available in the core that will support somewhere between 2,500 and another 3,000 units. So we're just starting this. Downtown's just become viable for people to live down here, and it's going to explode. Thank, Thank you, you, Mr. Lynn. Mr. Hooper, followed by David Coddington. Um, thank you, Commission. Um, Good morning. I have uh, a couple clarifications. Uh, you know, one thing we keep disregarding is that your terms run till the end of your terms and that, you know, the folks that are on a city commission or a county commission, we look to them for leadership to the last day of their term. So I don't see why we should disregard the commission that's sitting on the Fort Lauderdale City Commission at this moment. The other thing I'd like to say is that the CRA, and this is truly for clarification, the CRA extends uh, to Federal Highway from 4th Street to uh, Flagler Drive and then across the tracks and into the northwest neighborhood. And that, those railroad tracks have for a long time been a, a, a barrier between uh, uh, neighborhoods. We changed the name in Flagler Village of Sistrunk from 6th Street to Sistrunk so that we could bring the two neighborhoods together. And I know there's issues about the wave and it running all the way up Sistrunk, and I hope, I really hope it does. I, I, I will be your biggest cheerleader, I promise you. Um, but uh, there are other people that have not spoken on, be, um, uh, have not been polled by the uh, opponents. Flagler Village and Avenue Lofts, where I developed, have a lot of owners over there that do want the wave. They bought into the idea of living down there because of the wave. Uh, I also represent, through our restaurants, 300, 400 employees, at least 100 of which live in downtown and support the wave. These are, there are also four affordable housing projects on the line, two in Flagler Village and, and uh, three in Flagler Village and one over onto the south side. They are on the wave line. This allows access to people via the wave, via a people mover. And I think that it is it's forgotten that, that uh, sometimes people can't afford Uber and, and a people mover at a much more affordable rate can get people to the publics, can get people to places of interest. So I will hope, I'd hope you'd support this. Thank you for your time. Thank you, Mr. Hooper. David Coddington, followed by Dick Blattner. Good morning, Mayor, Commission, Administrator. Um, before I get into the piece of representing the talking about the economic development perspective, I'm a resident of Fort Lauderdale. I support the wave. Most of the folks in my neighborhood in Lake Ridge support the wave. So I think it's great. I'm in the taxing district, and I support it. But from the perspective of economic development, this is a pivotal point. As we try to attract companies from around the, not just the country, but around the globe, this is a pivotal point for the county and the city. How do we manage that growth? And they're going to be looking. It's a tough decision. But cities and counties and regions that do it well are rewarded for that. And I hope that this commission, I hope the city commission as well, looks at that as we continue to figure out how the best way to manage that growth, because it sends the right message or it can send the wrong message, and that is up to you. But from the perspective of when we compete against RFPs of around the country, around the world, mass transit is a key component. And so how are they going to move their folks? How are they going to attract folks to the area? That piece has got to be taken into consideration. We've competed against other areas where the traffic and the congestion was terrible, 
And one of the factors why we won that company was because ours was better than theirs at that moment for transportation. And this is a point to how we're going to manage that growth. It's not just, it's also not just the competition for the companies, it's the competition for the talent. Where does that talent want to grow? The millennials, you know, and the, how many people don't have cars now or use the cars minimally? This is a piece, this is a tool in the toolbox that's going to help us attract not just companies, it's investment. We worked with a developer. This was a key component when they asked about, should we invest in Fort Lauderdale or in Broward County? So I think that there's a lot of, a lot of different points on here. Um, and again, it's not the end-all, be-all. It's a tool in the toolbox that this county, this region, this city can utilize to attract talent, keep talent, as we compete, not just to attract, but to retain the talent in the companies that we have here. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Connington. Uh, Dick Blattner. Dick, I was going to give you the last word, but somebody else came in here. And so, I, it's okay. I know you like having the last word, Morning, having everybody. served with you for Ladies many years. Gentlemen, it's good to see you. I have to declare that I'm chairman of the Broward County MPO and Hollywood City Commissioner. I think it was, it was 12 years ago at a meeting in downtown Fort Lauderdale, and some of you may have been there, where a lot of city commissioners, county commissioners, and business people were there to hear a representative from Washington. I think his name was Peter Rogo came down to say that the federal government was supporting the WAVE project and was willing to invest in it. Very exciting. Uh, and we all understood that we were going to follow the Portland model, which was starting your downtown core and then expand organically. We knew that the idea was to go to the port, go to the airport, and eventually go to the educational complex in Davie, because that's where the people are going. I think your ridership on uh, tri-rail and the tri-rail commuter system would show the number of riders that go to Davie every day uh, for, their, uh, for their educational experiences. Um, it's a difficult project, uh, and there was a lot of angst back and forth about who's going to build it, how much is it going to cost, where's the money coming from, and you know what? Today, today, we should be having a ribbon cutting instead of debating whether we're going to continue this project or not. So I would hope that today you will pass this, and at the same time, that you will figure out a way to accelerate this Project, so it's not 10 years from now when we still don't have a light rail system in downtown Fort Lauderdale that eventually will provide great benefits, as many of the speakers have talked about today, in its ability to move people from place to place, but will provide great economic development potential as well. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner. And last, we have Nick Segnowski. I squeezed you in there. Yeah, good morning. Thank you. <clears throat> um, appreciate the opportunity to speak to you all. Uh, I started my uh, governmental career back in the 70s, actually, uh, as a uh, project uh, analyst down for Metro Dade Transportation Administration. And in college, I studied transit systems, and I'm a native of South Florida. And initially, I was a big supporter of this project. I spoke at the city commission on it, and it really made sense to me when they started this thing and when they started talking about it. But as it's developed, and as the science and technology have changed, and as the politics, frankly, have changed, uh, I think the wisest choice, and that's our, by the way, whether you're, it's the first day of your term or the last day, all we seek is wisdom from you all, is to be cautious at this point. There, I, the one thing, having been a bureaucrat for most of my life, the one thing I don't buy is that there's an artificial deadline of March or even February to get this project approved because the fact is that the FTA will be cooperative if the FDOT people and you guys talk to them. 
There's no evidence so far in the letter that you received or in anything in the paper that anyone's even made the attempt to say, can we get this in by you know, September 1, whatever. And frankly, if people have to work uh, late at night to get it done, that's fine. The, the problem is right now that with a new city commission coming in, with the science being what it is, and the history of this project, 60 days is not an, unwilling, an unreasonable time to wait. It's actually less than 60 today. But simply wait till the end of March. Give the city of Fort Lauderdale time, the new commissioners to use their wisdom in applying this. But don't create unreasonable expectations based on a letter from FDOT at this point. Um, again, thank you for your time. And I know you all are considering it wisely. But uh, just keep in mind, too, that this is not just the initial costs. It's also the ongoing operating. And places like Salt Lake, which have been successful, their downtown's free. Thanks. Thank you. And that concludes our speakers from the public. We're going to go to the dais now. Commissioner Geller, you were in the queue. You asked to be in sir. the queue. Yes, sir. Okay. You're right. Am, Floor am is I yours. Recognized? Good. Uh, thank you, Mr. Mayor. Um, I, as I said at the last meeting, I have had concerns about the technology. Uh, I could argue this convincingly either way, but. I have to vote one way or the other, and I voted at the last meeting in favor of the wave, and I feel more strongly today on that position than I did last week, and I will briefly tell you why. Um, first of all, I'm, I'm not sure if this is – I've heard a lot of uh, speakers from Fort Lauderdale that have expressed concerns that it's not good for Fort Lauderdale. And candidly, I've not studied whether or not it is a great deal for the residents of Fort Lauderdale, and they have their local elected officials representing them. But on a county perspective, A, I do believe that this hat that this will be the hub of the countywide transit. And in my district, where I've had town meetings in every city that I've had, and I've looked at my emails, I've had very little response, but the response I have had has been supportive of the wave. Secondly, uh, and uh, in reference to the delay, that is a problem. Uh, we've been told we can wait. I had concerns because staff has said, well, if we turn this down at this late date, that this could jeopardize our future transportation funding from the state and federal government. In order to get independent verification, if this was accurate, I spoke yesterday with Congresswoman Debbie Wasserman Schultz. In fact, the staff is not completely accurate that it would affect your transportation funding. Congressman Wasserman Schultz said it would affect not only our future transportation funding, but it would have the potential to affect other future federal funds, such as the ability for courthouse funding, Port Everglades funding, etc. If we push so hard, if our congressional delegation has pushed this hard to get us this funding, 
and then we turn it down. She told me that Congressman Diaz Boart, who's the chairman of the subcommittee that is responsible for this funding, felt the same way. Again, I completely trust Congresswoman Wasserman Schultz. I've known her since I was a young legislator and she was still a legislative aide. But nonetheless, I contacted Congressman Diaz Boart for independent verification that this would hurt us on other funding. And I spoke with his chief of staff this morning, who confirmed to me that Congressman Diaz Boart, who is the chair of that appropriation subcommittee, believes that our turning down the wave funding at this date would hurt us not only with transportation funding, but on other types of funding for South Florida. I am not willing to take the risk when two of our key congressional uh, members have said that this would hurt us with future funding. I thought that's important information, and so today I will be voting again, yes, to try and protect our funding in the future. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Thank you, Commissioner. Uh, next, we have Commissioner Rich, followed by Commissioner Lamarca. Okay, thank you. Um, well, just a few points uh, I, I feel are important to say. Uh, it was spoken about the, the, the voters um, and the people in Fort Lauderdale. So um, some people come up and say, well, everyone in my neighborhood is for it. Well, it's very odd because the voters spoke and everyone um, seems to have chosen uh, a person running um, and they will run again, you know, in the general election, but they're all opposed to the wave. So I guess the voters were looking at that as a major issue, and I think they spoke. So um, I, I feel very strongly that uh, I don't want to go against the wishes of the voters there um, because they're the ones that are most affected. As far as my district, I can say that I, too, have had town hall meetings. I talk to people all the time, and the response in my district, which overlaps Senator Geller's with certain cities, um, is very negative to the wave. They feel that it will be... Uh, a, a lot of money and that it is not a good deal for them. Uh, so that would be another point. I also find it very interesting that all of a sudden we have a talking point, and that's what I call it, it that everyone now is saying that we're going to not be able to access all this money for other projects. I don't believe that for a minute. You know, I don't think that if we put in uh, a request for courthouse funding, uh, which is an entirely different area of this, that we're going to be told that, oh, no, we can't fund you because of the wave, because you didn't use the money for the wave. Personally, I think the wave is the wrong project, the wrong technology. Um, it's not the start, in my opinion, of a modern public transportation system. Um, and I will be um, voting no. Thank you. Commissioner Lamarca. Thank you, Mayor. Um, I have a couple of questions and just thoughts that have developed over what I thought was done from last week to this week. Um, if I might, uh, Drew, can you help me out with a couple of details? Because this went, this left our, our uh, voting, uh, our, our, our agenda last, last week, and uh, I don't think the city of Fort Lauderdale took up any formal voting on it, but uh, they, you, you have, your office has been in touch with them with regard to the interlocal agreement. Is that correct? My contacts have been mostly with the DDA, but the DDA has also communicated information from the city of Fort Lauderdale, 
And uh, Ms. Henry's office has also communicated a certain requested change terms from the city of Fort Lauderdale. And can you tell me specifically what the, what the terms are that have, that have changed and what the terms are for everyone's edification of where the county fits into this uh, relationship of the three entities? Yes. Local entities. Yes, Commissioner. And uh, this is contained, I've been, I'll, I'll summarize essentially, and I apologize for the uh, late delivery of our memorandum. We wanted to wait until the end to see if there were any other changes. We had mentioned when we published the agenda item that we would alert you to any subsequent changes, and there ended up not being any very material substantive changes once the uh, agenda item with the restated ILA was distributed. Uh, but I would say that the primary changes are that we clarify financial responsibility for the enhanced VMF facility. We also clarify financial responsibility at the local level uh, for 2018 uh, under the initial ILA. The DDA did not have an expressed financial obligation for 2018. We make very clear uh, that from fiscal year 2021 and uh, the out years, that the county would not be responsible for a share of the local cost of, uh, of uh, overruns. Uh, and uh, we've added certain security, uh, not, I, I'm not gonna tell you that it's perfect security or uh, that your uh, financial obligations are ever perfectly secured, mm -hmm. but the financial uh, payment obligations of the city and DDA are better secured uh, through some of the terms that we've included in this restated ILA. And uh, the reason that we came back to you with this document is there were some changed substantive terms. At the meeting two weeks ago, you authorized our office to make non-substantive changes because these were substantive and we want to make sure that approvals are done correctly. We thought it appropriate that this item be brought back from, uh, before the board today. Okay, and what is the... Uh, uh, Com from, Commissioner, from may I mention one other thing? There, there is one mm -hmm. that I did not mention a second ago, and this was a request uh, by the city of Fort Lauderdale. And what it is, is under the uh, WAVE project agreement, both the county and FDOT, uh, the two parties to the agreement, have the ability to, even if we uh, approve and sign the third amendment, if the bids come in above 125% of the estimated project cost, the county and, the, uh, and FDOT have the ability to terminate the agreement. The city requested that it also be given that right uh, so when we do get the bids back, uh, before the county would assent to a continuation of the agreement, were the cost to come in above 125%, we would have to vet that with the city, and we laid out a process in the restated interlocal agreement to do that. And what is the, what is the, um, the makeup of the uh, responsibility between the three parties? It's essentially 50% uh, for the city of Fort Lauderdale, 25% with a couple of caveats, for the DDA and 25% for the county until you get to 2021, then it becomes 50% for the DDA and 50% for the city of Fort Lauderdale. And that's for the local share of the cost overruns. FDOT remains responsible for always 50%, the state share of the cost overruns, except with regard to the enhanced vehicle maintenance facility, should the board elect to go in that direction. So when we say prior to 2021, the, the, uh, the F F dot is 50% and we're, we're that other, that 50, 25, 25 is, is the other 50? Yes. Okay, so really the state is on the hook for half of, of uh, any of the overruns. The other half is made up of 50% by the city. 
So that's really 25%. And the county and DDA are 25% of the other half, which is really an eighth. Yes, with, with the county's contributions during fiscal year 18, 19, and 20, if there were cost overruns during those years, which I don't think are expected, uh, would be slightly more because the DDA's financial obligation for those years, I believe, is capped at $3 million. So if, if a quarter of the local share of capital cost overruns during those years exceeded $3 million, the county would have to make up that differential. But again, okay. I don't think that's expected. During but just to be clear, uh, throughout this process, when we say the county is 25%, the DDA is 25%, and the city is 50 that's of half. So it's really an eighth, an eighth, and... Yes. Okay. Uh, a quarter, really. Um, if I might, uh, Ms. Henry, can I have, uh, can I request somebody from the DDA come up and just, just have a question regarding maybe Mr. Millage, if I could? It's a veteran or math. Mr. Millage, how are you? Yes, sir, good. Um, so just, I have something, we get a lot of information via the email, and I, you know, I'm certain that when I look at the headers of these emails, the, the emails are good to everybody. So how anyone couldn't get any emails that were one way versus the other different than mine, I don't know, but I'm just, so I'm gonna ask the question. From the standpoint of the DDA, how, what is the f uh, fiscal uh, condition of the DDA? What, how, how is the DDA over the course of this time where you'd be responsible for a portion of this project? Yeah, through uh, the efforts of the DDA in conjunction with the city, there was a local uh, assessment uh, in the downtown, a larger uh, assess assessment through the regional activity center. Um, and so that, that assessment was based on, it didn't expect future growth. It was just, um, it, it was um, uh, uh, laid in, uh, not expecting, uh, very conservatively, not expecting future growth. Obviously, growth has happened since that uh, assessment has been um, put in place. And so there's, there's extra money accumulating based on new, new development that's come online. So that's additional monies that are accumulating. So that's, that's what this is. It's, it's non-advalor monies that are accumulating in an account. Um, and so, so not, not no dollars from outside of the rack? Uh, no, they'll be within the, the overall rack, north and south. So it's fair to say that the DDA is not broke? Uh, yeah, that's fair to say it's not broke. Okay, because that was one of the things that was told. Um, thank you very much, sir. Thank you. Um, from a uh, standpoint of some of the information that has been presented here, I, I, uh, Ms. Henry, I, I noticed that uh, one of the Fort Lauderdale commissioner-elects, so somebody who's been elected, just not sworn in yet, uh, is here. Am I, am I able to ask her a question? All right. If I might ask, uh, Commissioner-elect uh, Heather Moritis, saw her walk in, and I don't know if she had intended to speak or not, but I just, uh, I did have a question because it was, it was explained to us, and I, and I have heard certainly from other folks um, that uh, all, quote unquote, all of the incoming, all of the ca candidates for office have, uh, Ms. Uh, Ms. Moritis, good morning. Uh, so, good afternoon. Commissioner-elect Moritis. Um, from a standpoint of this project, what you've become aware of and studied, and I know that you've been making the rounds in Fort Lauderdale and getting to know what the projects and different things that are going on, um, do you support this project? I do support this project. I've researched it, I've talked to people, I've researched similar projects throughout our nation, uh, starting in Portland, and I do believe other metropolitan areas are using it to revitalize their community. I do think it's a good fit for our downtown Fort Lauderdale, and I believe it's a part of the connectivity we need countywide and regionally. 
So if you were sitting on the dais tonight, for example, and you were seated already and sworn in, you would vote yes or no? I would vote yes, okay. and I will work with my um, commissioners who are elected and sworn in in March to continue to discuss this project, the merits of it. I've had the opportunity to speak with um, FDOT and other groups that maybe they have not had that opportunity to do so at this point. And like I said, I, I've researched it thoroughly. I really do believe in the project and I, I think it's a, a good fit overall for our county and just one piece of the puzzle in terms of our connectivity that we will have moving forward. Thank you very much. Thank you. So one, one of the things that, and I, and I believe that the, there's some, there was a comment or two about the press about what was reported, uh, what was in the newspaper, and I, I think it's, it's clear for me that when it's on uh, one of the last few pages in the, in the front section of the newspaper, it's an opinion, just like mine is an SF100 or anybody else's. I'm, you know, if we, I, I, get, I get daily news from Governing Magazine, and there's always, or even the Sun Sentinel's daily news, and there's always a why the president is the worst president ever, and then there's another article about why he's the greatest president ever. So I think they're exactly what that, what that statement is. They're opinions. Um, they're not necessarily from the front section of the newspaper or um, that part of the news we can't seem to get on TV anymore, but I'm sure it's out there somewhere other than watching C-SPAN. Um, so one of, the, one of the other things that was reported um, was that um, Commissioner Bogan, apparently everybody knows what you're gonna do here today and, and everybody knows what I'm gonna do here today. Um, yeah, it's in the newspaper said anyway. Um, so fr from a standpoint of, um, I, I guess, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're in, again, we're in a difficult position at the county because um, we have been told uh, by some respected members of the community who I have no reason to doubt their, their intentions, but that there would be legal issues, First Amendment issues, that we would be tying the hands of, of the people of Fort Lauderdale. Um, Drew, how would, how, would, how would our vote here tie the hands of the residents of Fort Lauderdale? Because we're county board. It, it, well, first of all, the Fort Lauderdale City Commission will be voting tonight uh, if, if this moves forward through this board. So that's the first opportunity for the commission to make a decision on behalf of the residents. Uh, after that, if the, if the city uh, agrees to the terms, signs, or excuse me, approves, executes and returns the document by the end of the week, the city would be bound legally. Now, there's always business risk, there's always litigation risk, people could try to, uh, I mean, rescission, people can try different things. We, we, we think we've minimized the litigation risk and the business risk by having very clear terms. Uh, but uh, I know one thing the board always looks to do is to avoid litigation, uh, especially with other governmental entities, and I can't tell you as we sit here today, that if the city decides to try to get out of the, the deal later, that there wouldn't be litigation. We just don't think that rescission as a procedural mechanism is proper uh, because we're taking action today in reliance. Excuse me, we're, we're, we're taking action, and so if the, the city of Fort Lauderdale approves tonight the agreement, we're moving forward with uh, FDOT uh, on this project. We don't think rescission is proper as an equitable remedy. I can't predict... Uh, what else would happen, but I, uh, you know, the city is legally bound by it. It would be my ultimate position on this. Okay, and I, I, I would have no reason to believe that, um, you know, we're, we're partners with the, with the city on uh, the, our efforts for the federal courthouse. We're partners with the city on 
our efforts on um, our convention center hotel, our convention center expansion. Um, there are a lot of interlocal agreements and a lot of, a lot of other uh, uh, dual uh, party conversations going on. And I know there's also one for a, for a governmental center that would obviously require us to not, not be in litigation with each other and, and, and have some trust. Um, so I have one, uh, if I might, Ms. Henry, can I have Mr. Uh, Walton? Yes, Mr. Walton. Mayor and Commissioner, I just want to make sure something I said before was very precise. Uh, with regard to the 50%, 25%, 25%, I just want to make very clear that the FDOT would not be participating, so there wouldn't be a 50% state chair for the enhanced vehicle maintenance facility. Of the overages. Okay, but for everything else. But of, the, of the bait, okay, yes. thank you. Thank you. Mr. Walton, uh, it was the, the comparison was made that why would you know some people couldn't do a, two, a ten dollar trip when they uh, when they could do a two dollar trip, and you told me last week that we thought it was gonna be a one dollar trip. But either way, um, do you have any additional information as far as if I was to ask you um, a question of what it would what the real cost of uh, per rider cost would be? Well, the first thing I would like to say is. Last week we talked about it. I said that actually the county commission uh -huh. sets fares. So in right. terms of what the actual fare would be, would be determinations made by this board. We could bring recommendations of fifty cents a dollar, two dollars, whatever. But you got to set the fare. If, so if I, thank you. So if I wanted to, if it was my uh, intention to set the fare at what it actually cost us, we were basically trying to run this uh, with with uh, net neutral, if you will. And I understand your. I, I understand. But I understand what you say, but I'm just, I'm trying to get, I've been desperately trying to get to what the number, the cost is per passenger on the 2.8 mile route, yeah, what, what it actually costs us to do that. Because someone's I, paying that. I, I don't have that off the top of my head, but I can tell you that there isn't a transit system in North America that breaks even. Okay. So you, you cannot expect even, and, and at BCT, we're probably one of the most efficient transportation, we are in the top 10 percentile in the nation. And our fare box return ratio is about 32, 33%. So that's top 10 percentile. So top 10% is about a third of your money back. The other Most two. of them are about 25% in terms okay. of the operating revenue that comes back out of the fare box. Rail systems are more expensive, so their return rate is lower. So would it make sense to you if, if, uh, if we charge a dollar that that's really probably about 6%? Does that make sense? I'd have to take a look at and, and see because I... I well, if you of, said it was 25% and it's lower, then we'll just, we'll just let's cut it in half to 12%. Say it's it, really well, that would make the assumption $8 to run it. Well, again, I, I don't want to stand here and, and make guesses for that. Really like oh, I, I, sir, with all due respect, I, I don't want to make guesses either. That's why I've been asking and asking uh, for information. I'm just trying to, I'm, I'm a pretty, pretty straightforward guy. I'm just trying to get ba basic nuts and bolts at how the hell are we going to pay for this thing? And I understand where everybody's all involved in it and what, what the partnerships are, but with, with respect to the numbers, if we don't know how many people are going to ride it, and we're we're making the we're making the prediction that the 3,000 people a day will ride a 2.8 mile circulator when that exact same route, and I had five years of uh, time experience on the on the TMA and the Sun Trolley board, and it's about 297 a day. So if we got those 3,000 people on there, that's what I'm trying to figure out what that number is. And again, that, that 3,000 is an estimate, you know, mm -hmm. but I would also add that. Typically, when these systems open, the ridership numbers far exceed the projected numbers. So, okay. I mean, I, I, if, if, if you wanted, I mean, I could sit with you. We could probably 
lay out some, some some more specific information, but I don't don't want to stand here and guess. Right yeah, now. and I would assume what if we return ratio is going to be on the system. Okay, what I, I would assume if we add uh, f future connections and, and expand the system, that that, number, that efficiencies would come in and it would be would be lower. Um, can you tell me definitively what the uh, status is of a of an airport route? Because I've I'm getting information both ways, and I understand from talking personally to the airport director that it's their intention at FLL to do a, possibly do a circulator within the airport and maybe even to an intermodal facility kind of at the southeast corner of, uh, of their property. Um, and from that point, who's, who would be the, the entity that would, would uh, connect from, say, call it Griffin Road in US-1 or the tracks, up to up to uh, Broward General Hospital. If um, Commissioner, if I might, thank you. You can stand there if you have other questions. Um, the issue of the um, the uh, route to the airport um, that issue was raised, and I wanted um, I didn't we didn't get into all of the specifics of that because we are planning a workshop to be able to discuss to you the alternatives that we are considering. And it has always been contemplated that we will have a route um, to the airport, and there are a number of options to do that. There is an option that includes Brightline. There's an option that includes an expansion of the wave um, from a, a location that probably wouldn't go all the way to Griffin. There's an, uh, uh, an alternative that would go down 17th Street that would connect to another system. Uh, which is something that we are intending to bring to you as a body to be able to make that decision. But we didn't want to um, today say, ah, this is it until we have that opportunity to sit and talk with you. But um, it has always been our intent to be able to connect to the airport. It's just that there are a number of ways to do that, and we want to do that in a way that's uh, most efficient um, I appreciate for the that. program. I appreciate that very much. But we're, you're asking us to vote on something and then tell us there's options to get the airport. Uh, when you said go down 17th Street, do you mean from the hospital to US-1? Correct. To where? Correct. To US-1 or to the convention center? To, to the convention center. It would touch. That, that, that's a busy, that is the, that's the biggest uh, point of contention in the city of Fort Lauderdale for anybody who lives there, travels through there, and I know we're talking about an airport bypass road and it's fantastic, and I wanna give you and Mr. Cohen credit that uh, if we can pull that together, it's a great plan. But I don't want to see us take cars off of 17th Street only to put a only a, with a bypass only to put a train there or some or some other form of transportation. So I guess my question is I'm just going to ask it because because I can't I can't tell you that you know I'm going to go buy a Ferrari today and and next week you're going to let me know there's 15 different ways I can pay for it because if one of them doesn't work for my my income it's not going to matter. The bottom line is if we're, if, if we're going to have a, a route to the airport, we need to be able to tell people that's a definitive yes or a no. And not, not the ridership doesn't support it from the feds or any of that. We need to be able to say to people, we're going to connect this point to this point. And so, I don't know how bright, I'm sorry, and I don't know how Brightline is going to give you, I don't know how Brightline is going to make an exception for Broward to go, well, we're going to go from downtown to the airport. And we're not going to do that in Miami because it's supposed to be half an hour, half an hour, two hours. Well, again, that's that's where there's a lot of conversation and a lot of discussion. As you well know, that what Miami is looking at is not just one or two stops, as in its discussions with Brightline. 
Um, again, we do anticipate that there will be a stop at the airport. Um, what we have not brought to you, which we are prepared to bring to you, are the alternatives to do that. And there are consequences and there are alternatives that I would, would certainly want this board to fully understand and vet before we say to you, this is the, um, this is the preferred um, route. Okay, I don't, I don't know what consequences mean, but let, so let me just finish with this. Uh, Financial consequences, I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, Commissioner Geller has has spoken with regard to doing his not only getting word word firsthand and secondhand, but doing his uh, his additional work, and I appreciate that. Um, so I'm not disagreeing Thanks. with. I I, well, I strongly disagree. However, that 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 is the case, and not I 100 believe believe him. I think he's accurate in what he said. But I have I've spent a lot of time over the last um, number of months speaking with our, that con our, our congressman who was also in transportation infrastructure that he spoke to Congressman Diaz Bolart's office and Congressman Diaz Bolart. He's the chairman of the overall transportation infrastructure committee appropriations and the chairman of the overall TNI is uh, Congressman uh, Bill Schuster from Pennsylvania and he was here for the opening of the Bright Line and we had. We had some uh, conversations about about this project and other projects. Federal government, Com Commissioner Rich is 100%. It's for, this is my opinion. It's spot on 100%. The federal government is not going to take us out of the number two spot for the federal courthouse. Uh, whether they have the money or not, that's a different story. But they're not going to take us out of that, that uh, priority position. And they're not going to not fund Port Everglades because it has a $29 billion economic impact in, in goods through and, and, and our economic uh, impact here in our community and accounts for 220,000 jobs. So I'm, I'm, not, I'm not buying the time issue. If, if everyone wants to, to, to slow this down and have that conversation, I get it. I get it, what everybody keeps saying. I get it that we say we can't, but then we keep getting put in the corner and this came back from, from us. We lost another week. Now the city's going to deal with it. The new commissioners won't have a say in it because one way or the other, whether they're for it or against it, if they have a majority or, or they don't, you know, it's, it's not fair that they don't have that conversation. Look, if we just pulled ourselves out of this and we said, well, we're not going to do, the county's out, the DDA and the city are going to have to pay the, the, the construction along with DOT and the overages, we still, the, as county taxpayers, you're still on the hook for the $6 million, which, you know, let's, I'm just going to make an estimate right now. It's going to be a couple bucks more than that. But let's say that we're on the hook for the $6 million to run it. That's fine. That's our obligation. We've committed to saying that. I'm, I'm committed to saying yes to that. Um, what I'm having a hard time with is being put in a corner and, and being told that because of extenuating circumstances, because of the federal government, because of this, because of that, because of what, con what member of Congress said one thing, what said another, um, this is just so important that you know we should actually have our two members of Congress down here to have this conversation with them in in the public. Uh, so, you know, I, I'm still not sure where I'm going to go with this, but I've got. I mean, I'm, I'm basically being asked to make a vote on something that I don't have all the information for, and I've never. I've taken some difficult votes on on whether it's social or fiscal issues, and I I make those decisions, and that's that. But this is. This is being able to go walk into a uh, conversation with, with half the information. As much as we get more information, all it does is convolute some of the other things. So I appreciate the answer to the questions, and I'll let you all go to the next you. in the queue. Thank Mayor, you. if I might, Mayor, just real yes. quick. And, and uh, again, Commissioner, um, it's, it's certainly not our intent to um, ask you to make decisions with, without information. We have 
consistently indicated to the board that we believe that the, the cost um, um, from all of the information that we have for that route would be somewhere in the neighborhood of $6 million. That's the cost. Uh, what we have also said um, is that it would be our intent to go after naming rights and um, there will be fair box recovery. At the end of the day, uh, when all of those um, come together, there will be a net number. But assuming nothing comes to fruition and there is no charge and there's no, um, no naming rights nor anything, the cost is, is estimated to be $6 million. And so that's... Um, uh, that's why we were, um, we're more definitive on that than we are about what on the if come we, uh, and that's, when that's, we're there. That's what I'm talking about. You're giving, you're giving us a uh, guaranteed maximum, if you will, yes. $6 million. Yes. If we get maybe, you know, Mr. Loria now has you know, $1.2 billion in his pocket. Mr. Pilgrim's got $28 million, and now the county has $140 billion from all the tourists. We could, we could find a naming partner. I'm being a little funny, but we could find a naming right. partner. That's fine. Mm -hmm. But with all due respect to, the, to the, what our back what our backstop's gonna be at six million, and that's, and that's fine. But right now, the, the, all of the things to get to that point where we're actually running a 2.8 mile train, we don't have those numbers. And I don't know anybody in the in this business community who, are, who I consider very smart people and friends, uh, I don't think any of them would make a, an investment into a business with, with half the information. I just, I don't see it happen. If somebody said, I got a great idea, um, here's the space, here's what you need for equipment, I don't, I don't have the other numbers for what you're gonna need to get the, the business up, I don't, I don't see it happen. Commissioner Udine, then followed by Commissioner Ryan. Commissioner Sharif, did you want to speak? No, at the appropriate time, I'll vote yes. Okay, thank, thank you. you. <laughs> thank you, okay. Mayor. I just want to follow on a couple things um, that I've heard because, you know, I've said from the beginning that I'm not supportive of this project. Um, and, you know, I wish I could get there to find a way to be supportive of it, but as I look through this more and more, it just seems so far out on a limb. When we started down this road, and by we, I mean the county, in 2004, which was 14 years ago, so many things have changed since then, and I think we need to be flexible up here and be able to, to see if there are things that change and to go with that flow. So Commissioner Lamarca made a comment about some numbers and whatnot, and so I've heard that it's been a million passenger per year on the wave, 3,000 a day. So they're saying that they're going to get a million rides per year. And it's a 2.3-mile loop, and it's going to cost $6 million just to operate it. So forgetting about the 200 or X number of millions of dollars to build it, at 1 million passengers per year, they can take an Uber at a minimum charge of $5 for 2.3 miles, and they're better off, and we're better off as a community. We save dollars there. We could put boxes up every four miles and say the county will kick in your Uber fare, and you've cost less than what the actual operating cost of this thing is going to be, assuming that there are no increases. Second thing, I, I find it somewhat um, ironic that I'm being told from our federal partners that we have to spend money, we have to spend 200 million or whatever the number is, or we're never getting federal dollars down here for something else. That to me seems so, so opposite to the way businesses and the business community operates. They're, these are excellent business people in our downtown development authority, and they're not analyzing projects based on 2000 
and four to 2,000. Th th these numbers change and they become more fluid. And I would suggest to them, if they had two divisions within their organization and they said you have $100 million in each division and one division had said to them, I figured out a way not to spend this money and to save it, they're not gonna say to them, well, you have to spend it. I've put this money in your budget, spend it. We've seen companies do that before and it doesn't work out correctly. Um, there's better ways to do this. The economic impact of Fort Lauderdale, financial institutions and major lending institutions are not lending on the speculation of a project that has been bubbling around since 2004. They're not writing and they're not underwriting financial projects and figuring that in based on 14-year-old information. You have some of the you know, the best cap rates going on right down in downtown Fort Lauderdale, and they're not financing these buildings and these facilities based on the shot of the wave coming in. I don't think this is the appropriate um, project to build the backbone of the county's transportation infrastructure, so I'm not going to support it. And, you know, the previous commissioners that sat up here, they did a smart thing when they did this. They said... Here's the deal. We want to do this. We want to be your partner. We want to work on this. And if this comes back at more than 125% of what it's supposed to be, then you know what? We've tried. It's come back at a number that we can't afford to live with, and we want to have an out with no penalty. And that's what happened. So now when that came back, what we've done is, or what we're trying to do is throw all that out and say, well, let's just strip everything out of it, make it come in at a lower dollar amount, and then we'll go from there. I, I'm under no illusions here. Once this thing gets start to bid and start to be built, these numbers are creeping way back up. The numbers, all these overruns are going to come back, and everything that we've tried to take out is going to find its way back in here through change orders. And I just can't support it. My constituents in Northwest Broward have told me loud and clear on this one. So, you know, I thought we dealt with this last week. I thought there was a vote on it. I'll be voting the same way this week. Thank you. Commissioner Ryan. I agree with Commissioner Udine that we did uh, vote on this. Actually, it was two weeks ago. And um, we spent four hours discussing this, so I don't find the need to um, restate the positions that I had held earlier. Uh, what I found since that vote two weeks ago is that this arrangement, uh, this partnership between the DDA, the City of Fort Lauderdale, State of Florida, and Broward County has become more clear with this uh, amendment to the interlocal agreement. Now, in fact, the 125% is the maximum that we, as Broward County, will agree uh, to be the bid that comes in from the request for proposal by the contractors that will, will do the work. If it goes above 125% of the original cost, then we won't accept it unless we come back and have another vote. And based upon the discussion that we've had here, it is obvious that it will not, if it comes in more than 125 percent, it's not going to go forward. It would have to also, under this agreement, it would have to have the um, consent of the new Fort Lauderdale City Commission because by the time the bids go out and they're opened up, uh, the new commission will be sitting on the Fort Lauderdale dais. And so they will then at that point have a decision to make. Um, if, in fact, Fort Lauderdale tonight agrees to go forward with the agreement. What I continue to uh, remember 
is all of these workshops that we've had over the years on transportation and the experts and uh, the consultants, uh, the Florida Department of Transportation traffic engineers, everyone agrees that you must have a number of uh, choices, different modes of transportation if you're going to deal with the traffic congestion that we have here in Broward County. Sure, a lot's changed since, night, since 2004. It's become more congested and it's gonna continue to move to more and more congestion until and unless we make smart transportation alternative uh, modes. So you can't just keep building more roads. Uh, we have to have uh, an improved bus system. We talk about the, the mass uh, rapid transit buses, but that's in and of itself is not going to do it. Um, if the wave were to go nowhere other than its original 2.8 mile route, then it would certainly be uh, a circulator. It would not be um, any type of relief to traffic congestion in Broward County. But the plans are, uh, as, as the county administrator said, uh, a route to the convention center, uh, a route uh, either from the wave or some other rail transportation to the airport into downtown. Uh, Western routes um, we have looked at and I fully expect that we will have in the future a rail uh, route that will go to the education center, Broward College, and uh, perhaps we'll be able to reach as far west as what some call our western downtown out in Sunrise where the BB&T Center is uh, and Sawgrass Mills. But these decisions we have to make today are the difficult ones. Uh, I have been sitting on the SFRTA and have listened to this discussion for three years and I feel that in total this is the appropriate way to go for a transportation alternative with due reliance upon all of the experts that say in other major metropolitan areas there is a rail transportation mode uh, that is successful. So, uh, you know, it's growing pains that we have here in South Florida, uh, but I believe we're on the right route and I will be voting in favor of this item today. Commissioner Holness, followed by Vice Mayor Bogan. We're one of the most cost burdened communities for transportation and housing. And you probably would have my support if this solved any of those issues. It doesn't. Because you've excluded the community that could make best use of this. The area where folks have the need for public transportation is left out. That Northwest community has pleaded. I have. Congressman Hastings have asked. Make an adjustment. Make an adjustment. Bring this to the community that needs it most. Then you would have the ridership. Then you wouldn't be limited to a mere uh, few million. You'd have probably more than enough because those folks in that community need to access the jobs, which would help them cover their housing costs. That's not being done here. And I met with Congressman Hastings over the past week, and, and he reiterated his support for the stance that I'm taking, that we need to make that adjustment. We haven't. And, and thank you for your promise, Mr. Hooper. 
But this community has been promised and promised and promised and promised. Enough of that. Let's see your action demonstrate that you care. That you care enough not to exclude them. That you care enough to include them in the opportunities, the economic opportunities that are happening here in downtown Fort Lauderdale. They don't even get the jobs. Much more be an equity partner in, in a deal. Much more be reached out to even be considered. Here's something coming. Is there anyone here that has the capacity to participate from a financial standpoint where they can get a return? So if you, if, 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 if you were to have made the adjustment, as I had pleaded for, as the congressman has asked for, as the community has asked for, maybe you would have me today, but you can't have my vote today until action is there, not promise. Vice Mayor Bogan. I hit an issue where you can argue both sides, uh, and this is an issue in my four, fourth year as a commissioner. Um, this is the only issue that I could sit here and think about where I really can argue strongly on both sides. Um, there's good arguments both ways. Um, as the 17th largest county in the United States, we have the fastest growing airport, second largest or one of the largest cruise ports, um, but um, we have a county with gridlock and congestion on the road. I think we all agree to that, and that's what we face today. Um, whether you're for or against the wave, I think most people agree that we need to do something. Uh, I grew up in Chicago where rail was part of our life and uh, always been an advocate of rail here in Florida. However, with that said, the question is, is the wave worthy of our support? And uh, this has been probably one of the most difficult issues. And Commissioner uh, Lamarck, I, I've been, uh, I don't know what's been reported, but uh, it's been really difficult for me. Um, so I actually uh, went out and spoke to more people than I could imagine. I spoke to the people that are part of that dissident group. And I said, what don't you like about it? Well, it costs too much. I said, well, 95% of it is not coming out of our tax base. So, why, so it's not too much. And well, the next argument was um, it's not going to bring any economic development because we already have it here. And that's been kind of a question. And I was wondering if I can ask you to um, come on up for a second. Um, or, or, and Mr. Millage, where are you? Mr. Charlie Ladd, right? Mr. Ladd, I'm sorry. I um, you showed me a map of the area, and Mr. Millage, you as well. Um, is it fair to say that along this two-point whatever-mile stretch, most of it's already been built out? No. Okay. How much of it has been developed? Somewhere around a quarter. Okay, because people are telling me it's already been developed, it's been built out. This is a, you know, to, to, to say we're going to get economic development from it is a joke because it's already been built out. The statistics I went through when I spoke publicly, I, I'm happy to make available to the commission in a written form, but the numbers are astounding. And, and what I didn't get to say is the tax base that downtown creates helps all the counties, up all parts of the county. It helps Parkland. It helps everybody. And, uh, and putting this in place and allowing that growth and that growth in the tax base dwarfs any kind of money we're talking about here. 
And it, it, it's just like the airport and the other big projects. It's like, are we going to go forward or are we just going to hide? So is there, thank you. Is there anybody in here that, that believes differently that it's already been built out? I, I, I'm, I'm curious where if anybody in this room could come up, and I'd love to hear someone say that that gentleman is absolutely inaccurate, that it's already been built out. So the answer is no. And, and so I looked at the Kansas City streetcar, which they claim a billion. Mark, Mark I'm not going to ask everybody to come up. I'm sorry. Uh, sorry, Mr. Eichelman. Have a seat. Okay. Please don't ask that again. I'm sorry. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, that was a rhetorical question. Okay. Yeah, that was a I know that, but. So I, I did research in all the other cities with streetcars, and I saw that the Kansas City <laughs> streetcar claims to have $1 billion in investment. Salt Lake City argues it generated $1 billion in investment, in real estate investment. Portland's achieved over $4 billion economic impact in 20 years. Um, it's another article claims that more than 20 cities have upgraded their existing light rail infrastructure in the past few years, including Portland, Milwaukee, Salt Lake, and nationwide light rail ridership increased by 3.6%, more than any other type of public transit. Um, so the question of why do you want this project is, number one, is it's just for economic development, and that's been an argument. This is not to move people. This is for economic development. So my question to that is, so? So, okay, it's great for economic development. And if there is economic development for this and the cost benefit is there, then it's a positive. Um, I also have been um, told about this old technology. It's old technology. And, and really, um, I've really researched this. And there may be some new technologies, but the cost is absorbent. It's just huge. And so I don't see we're talking about this is an old technology. To get a new technology would be cost prohibitive right now, uh, not to mention that the money that's being put up doesn't allow us to do that. Um, so the question is, at least for my vote, is if, I, if you vote yes, do we keep it or no to kill it? And um, is it worth a 5% investment? Because 95% of the money is coming elsewhere. The answer to me is yes. Does the county need rail? The answer is yes. Is our downside limited? That's a question I want to ask council. And can this growth, can this lead to future rail and expansion? So I want to ask our county attorney, um, the one thing, the new thing that bothered me coming back from my last vote was um, I was told that we had unlimited downside on change orders. And since then, what I've been told is we have a one-eighth liability for two and a half years. And after two and a half years, we have zero liability. Is that correct? Let me uh, ask uh, Deputy County Attorney Mike Kerr to step up to provide a little. Uh, Wait, I don't, I don't want to. I just want to ask a question. Yeah. So for the next two and a half years till the end of 2021, the end of 2020, we have a one eighth liability in change orders. Is that correct? If your math is correct, that is correct. Where <clears throat> that is our liability. I'm not sure if it's a eighth or a quarter of a half or yeah, a quarter of 50 percent. So 25% of 50%. Uh, an eighth. It's an, an eighth. eighth. <laughs> an eighth. Okay. I wasn't, I wasn't I'm a little method. tired, Commissioner. I just flew okay. in yesterday. So, so, so the county has a one-eighth liability for it's, it's 2018, 2019, to the end of 2020. And after that, we have zero liability. Is that correct? That is correct. With, with the slight caveat that the DDA's 
obligations in the close-in years are, uh, are capped at $3 million, so the county may have to make up a slight shortfall. Uh, but as Ms. Henry and her folks will tell you, except for the expanded vehicle maintenance facility, we're not really expecting to get hit with cost overruns during those close-in years. Okay, thank you. Um, so I, I, uh, I've gone, I, I've really been, this has been a big struggle for me. And, um, and you know, the Sun Sentinel headlined, Larry back there, said, don't kill it, just delay it. Well, right now we can't, don't seem to be able to have anything in front of us to delay it. And I think by keeping it alive, there's vision for future growth. There's a chance that rail can finally come to Broward County. And for that reason, I, I am going to support this today to keep rail alive and to try to bring rail to Broward County. Would you like to make a motion? With that, I'm, I'll entertain a motion. Everyone's had a chance to speak. And before we lose Commissioner Shreve, I think she has to catch a plane in about an hour. You're still there, Commissioner Shreve, right? Uh, yes, uh, Mr. Mayor, I, I, I will move approval. Thank you. I'm going to actually, should I ask, is that, is that, he's remote, is that okay? As uh, commissioners know, the, the law on this is a little bit great. I'll move right? the item. Okay. We have a motion here. Do I have a second? Second. I have a motion and a second. All those in favor? I want to take a hand vote so we can do that, and then we'll do a remote vote. All those in favor? Okay, you're going to see my hand very clearly. Okay. Raise your, <laughs> raise your hand if you are in favor. One. I have two, three. Um, Commissioner Geller, how do you vote? How do you vote? Well, my hand is up. Can't you see? I can see it. I can <laughs> yeah. see it. Commissioner, oh, yeah. Commissioner Sharif, how do you vote? Aye. Aye. <laughs> okay, we have five to four. I, I think I means yes. Okay, that, that passes. I means yes. Yes, I know that. <laughs> Thank you, Commissioner Shreve. That passes five to four. Okay, we're going to go back to the um, consent, consent agenda. And we're going to go back to item number 12. Commissioner Ryan, you pulled this. I pulled item 12, which has to do with the award of an agreement for a, a fare card interoperability system. It's basically to replace the fare boxes um, on our county buses. Uh, I do support the item, uh, but uh, this um, fare box option um, is, is what is being funded by uh, federal funds, and it allows us to have uh, mobile ticketing for our bus system. Uh, we have for se several years been speaking of a integrated interoperability system that would allow for uh, Broward County Transit uh, to have a, a system where you could pay for ticketing that would be uh, the same that you could use in Miami-Dade County, Miami-Dade Transit, uh, Palm Tran and Palm Beach County. Uh, and also with the, uh, the tri-rail. Uh, we're not accomplishing that with this award. Uh, I understand that this award was necessary with this vendor, 
uh, because of the fact that the other vendor that bid on this was, I think, two or three times as high as the cost, and we couldn't pay that type of money. Uh, but I do have a question, and I'll start with the county administrator. Um, we had been looking for some time to have a, a, a single system where a person with uh, a phone with one app would be able to uh, pay for uh, bus fare, for train fare, um, and to be able to locate where the buses are uh, throughout the South Florida bus system and also for the location of trains. Um, you know, and, and it seems like we never can get on the same page with all of our <coughs> governmental entities uh, to have a, a single type of system. Can you give me an idea what the, the status is on that? Mr. Walton, if you can come to the podium. If you can outline for the commissioners, I mean, we um, this item gives us one of the uh, elements of that. There, the other element is in place. So, if you can just kind of walk them through where we are, yeah, this, and the and the and the process to get the the two connected. Yeah, and, and Commissioner Ryan, you're absolutely correct. This this project has been going on for quite some time. It um, has been a very challenging and difficult project, primarily because it requires very close coordination between four governmental agencies. Um, and those four governmental agencies being Broward County Transit, uh, Miami-Dade Transit, Tri-Rail, and, and Palm Beach County Transit. So uh, a project of this magnitude is actually touches many areas within all of our organizations. It touches our, our financial uh, areas, it touches our maintenance areas, our operations. So, from a policy and procedure standpoint, there's a lot of details to be worked out. So we've been working quite diligently with the other agencies in, in the South Florida region. And, and again, just to restate, the objective is to provide seamless travel throughout South Florida so, through a single app. And we have been moving toward that. And, and, and what this approval today gives us is the ability to, number one, replace our hardware, which has reached the end of its useful life. Just to kind of step back a little bit, uh, one of the, the, when we approached this project, initially we were going to take our existing hardware and buy a, what's called a reader, which you would, if you, once you paid for your ticket on your phone, hold your phone to the reader on the bus, and then it would, it would pay, it would validate your ticket. Throughout the process, the technology changes, the technology changed, and we are now going to a more sophisticated technology where that reader is actually integrated into the fare box. Our fare boxes have just about reached the end of their useful life, which is about 10 years, so the, it is actually ideal time to switch out the old and go with the newer technology. So what this approval of this uh, item does today, it allows us to purchase that technology. Um, in, in Miami-Dade, they use a different fare box technology, uh, a, a different company, but it really doesn't matter. The issue here is to make sure that the software that we employ and the software that Miami-Dade employs are, are able to communicate and to make sure that in real time that we can actually ride each other's systems and information tr is transferred back and forth. So their system, um, they've already approved their contract, Hopefully we get ours approved today. That will allow us to do the final piece to have our consultants and our designers of the software get together and hopefully come up with the single app that we've been 
trying to develop for a couple of years now. Right, you know, it seems to me that, so we're going to go forward with um, mobile ticketing and um, Miami-Dade Transit has um, their easy card. So it doesn't seem like they want to, um, to leave the arrangement that they have on the easy card, which is actually what um, TriRail also uses. Uh, but the last item that you mentioned, that um, the software that we're utilizing on these new fare boxes can be compatible with the software that is being used on the easy card so that with one single app on the phone, I mean, the idea is if we want to get more people to use this type of, of mass transit, you're looking really to, to have younger people who seem to be more uh, um, willing to try to use to use mass transit, get away from the vehicles, from automobiles. So, I mean, this is a target audience as far as, as I see. Um, and, and also, I mean, because mass transit is less expensive to use, it is subsidized by the government. I mean, we want to attract that younger crowd. Um, you know, everything about economic development uh, is tied around transportation. That's why we had this whole discussion about the way. And really, you have to look at the big picture that anybody who wants to uh, bring a business into South Florida. And I know that one of the major items that uh, Amazon is looking for for their second headquarters is what is your transportation system? How well does it work? Along with your educational system, your housing, uh, your workforce abilities, um, it all comes together. So this is something that we really need to, to, to be on the cutting edge and have a level of cooperation between the various uh, counties and their transit divisions to work together so that we have software that communicates. And with that, I'll move the item. Second. I have a motion and a second. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. Any opposed? That passes unanimously. Aye. Okay. Show me as an aye. Okay. That passes unanimously. We'll go to item 14, and we have a uh, member for the public, Perry Ecton. Ecton. And this has to do, I believe, with the housing units. I'm glad you pulled up. Thank you. I think I am. <laughs> uh, yes. Good afternoon, Mayor, Commissioner, um, County Manager, County Administrator, uh, Commissioner Holness. First, I'd like to thank this commission for at least taking up this item. Uh, it is important, and the only reason I pulled the item is one technical piece that I thought was missing. The item allows for non for ten nonprofits to solicit donations uh, for affordable housing but it only allows for 40 units within the new BMSD district, which means if I go to Pembroke Pines, if I go to Sunrise, if I go somewhere after the fact, I, that group still has to come back to this commission for approval. By changing it from just the 40 units to a countywide approval, that means that nonprofits do not have to come back for, in front of you every time they want to go to a different municipality to solicit donations. So that's the only reason I pulled it, because otherwise, after the 40 units are built, if I come back to Commissioner Holness and say I'd like to build five more in your district using the same type of program, I'd have to come back in front of you again and ask for that additional approval. So to save you time and to save the county time, it makes sense just to do it on a countywide basis, which is what John Alfredal has for his nonprofit and also what is done for Habitat uh, for Humanity in Broward. So by making it, by taking that one piece out and not limiting it to just 40 homes and making it a countywide, it allows for this program to utilize 
by those 10 agencies over the long term. I'd be happy to answer questions or concerns about that. Commissioner Holmes. County attorney to address the issue, this issue, whether or not uh, there's any issue with us doing that. Let me, uh, I don't know if Ms. Henry wanted to start. Yes, what I, what I am doing is having our staff person who works with this day in and day out come to the podium. As, you, as you're aware, uh, we have um, uh, different municipalities that, um, you know, that have their own, they have their own programs, and I just want to make sure that what you're asking would be consistent with that, because otherwise they would then have to modify their, their plan or their program and we try to coordinate. So if you can come to the podium, Ms. Vance. Uh, my name is Suzanne Fayez. I'm the acting director of the housing office. Uh, it's our understanding that this project has to be defined specifically because the action the commission is taking today is to um, assess the consistency with Broward County plans. Um, we can look at changing how the project is defined, uh, and we can come back to you with that. At this point, um, we would have to do a little more research on it. Is there, is there any time sensitivity to us moving this right now, Ms. Right. Henry, staff? It would be helpful if, if the uh, consent agenda could be moved forward, and then we can come back at a later date to look at a, a wider countywide initiative to do that. Okay. Yes, that's what I would. That's what I would recommend, yeah. Commissioner. Okay. Yes. All right, because these these homes, we have a timeline of 80, 18 right. months to complete them, and I don't, I don't want us to delay this right. at all because it's really already transforming the communities. Right. I was out there this weekend, and the seven that habitats are building already roofs on, paint started to paint, and and you can feel a difference in the neighborhood. The vibrancy is coming back to this neighborhood as a result of these, and I want us to do many more of these. Yeah, I mean, he brings up a good point, but I don't think, right, I think we need to do a little bit more research on it. Yes. I think we want to go ahead with this. Yes. And then, and then we'll, and we, I think you can research it and we, we can take it up at another time. Okay, okay. thank you very much, Ms. Okay. Okay. for coming And with that, I move the item. Okay, I have a motion. I have a motion and a second. All those in favor? Aye. Any opposed? Aye. Commissioner Sharif? She may have had to catch a plane. Commissioner Sharif, are you still there? Hi, still there. Okay. All right, very good. All right, that passes unanimously. Uh, next, we are going to go to item 18. Commissioner Udeen. Item 18 is a motion to approve a modification of conditions of a plat approval on Delta Pompano. If approved, the outcome of the vote could potentially benefit Craven Thompson. As I previously mentioned, I own shares and serve on the board of directors of Legacy Bank. The shares are not traded on a stock exchange. Another owner of Legacy Shares has a substantial interest in Craven Thompson. Therefore, I believe in the dais and will not be voting on item 18. I ask that the minutes of the meeting reflect that I have abstained from this vote. Okay. I'll wait till you leave. Hurry up. Thank you. Hurry up. Come on. <laughs> uh, Move the item. With that, I'll take a, I have a motion. Do I have a second? Do I have a second? Second. Second. Like pulling teeth. Uh, I have a motion and a second. All those in favor? Aye. Any opposed? Aye. Okay, that passes eight to zero with one with the one abstention. Thank you. 
Next, we're going to go to item 28. This is a public hearing. Okay. Um, this is a motion to consider enactment of an ordinance uh, of, the, of the Board of County Commissioners of Broward County pertaining to claims against or on behalf of Broward County. Um, I, I have no one from the public wishing to speak, um, so I will close the public hearing. Move it. I have a motion and a second. All those in favor? Any opposed? Uh, Any opposed? Aye. Thank you. That's it. That passes unanimously. I'm going to go to item number number 29. This is a public hearing. This is a motion to consider. This is an ordinance of the Board of County Commissioners of Broward County, Florida, pertaining to the Medical Marijuana Advisory Board, amending Section 1-310. Um, I have no no one from the public wish, wishing to speak. I'll take a motion. I move it. I have a motion. Second. And I have a second. All those in favor? Aye. Any opposed? Aye. Thank you. That passes unanimously. Going to item number 30. This is a uh, motion to consider an ordinance of the Board of County Commissioners of Broward County pertaining to various membership, voting, meeting, and sunset requirements. This has uh, one little wrinkle in it with regard to the Animal Advisory Committee. And I, are we taking that entire part out? Yes, if you wanted to, I don't know if you have um, anyone who wants to speak at the public hearing, Mayor, but if I do not, if, if there's no one, then the only difference would be you'd be taking up items A and B together. But in item B, it would be if it's the board's will striking section eight, which would permit that uh, board to be dealt with later. Right. I believe they had to take, they had had a meeting and had some concerns on it. Yes. And yes. asked us to, to consider that. Back. Yes. Okay. Uh, with that, I will take a motion. I'll move it. Second. Okay. 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 That's so. Uh, we have a motion and a second, taking that part out with the animal with the animal care advisory com committee, and we will return to that. Uh, I have a motion and a second. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. Commissioner Geller. Aye, Mr. Mayor. <laughs> Welcome back. Thank you. Uh, that is a that passes unanimously. Thank you, and that brings us to. We've already done 31. Okay, good. Um, that brings us to our delegation. And uh, Michael Anderson, is he still here? Is he here? Okay. Good morning. Um, I'll be really brief. Um, I expect that you would, on my behalf, um, advocate for what's right. I would like to go to Rule 1B-26.003, Administrative Code. This is dealing with the uh, uh, electronic records and record management practices. And so if you missed that, you can go back to the recorder. Um, I would like to start with this particular document, if the cameraman can zoom in on it. Um, as you can see, that this instrument number is here. And then here you have the CFN uh, recording number here. And according to the rule of the electronic records management practices is that this should be here. It should have a master. One of these got to be the master. And then the master produces a copy so here you have the, 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 the instrument number here, the CNF number here. 
here, again, if the cameraman can zoom in, this is a template. This is not a, a legal document, and the recording date is 2000. So you hand wrote, this is a template, you hand wrote 2000, uh, 2008 here, but the recorded record say 2000. Um, moving right along, um, here, this is the original case number. And here, all this information is correct, except for the time of recording. I mean, the time of recording was just last year. And then they linked to it to produce this illegal document. Um, man, that clock goes fast. And here, it says that the transfer, uh, everything was transferred except the order of transfer. The law says, states that the order of transfer has to be transferred in order for it to be legally effective. Michael, Thank you. You still have one more minute. I'm sorry. I, I only gave you two. Well, you have one more minute. You have more time. You have one oh, more minute. Oh, okay. So sorry, I didn't want to here, I'm sorry. Um, this, is, uh, this says that the case was transferred to Corey County. Uh, according to 47.172 Florida statute, it say all pleadings except for the order of transfer was transferred to the above county. It say all, all the information except the order of transfer, but the law stipulates that the order of transfer has to be transferred in order for it to be legally effective. So what I'm saying is Broward County always had jurisdiction. And I've been asking for, in my emails, an FBI investigation because there's financial documents that was unlawfully attached to these documents. And that was because the attorneys that I was uh, litigating against forged a panel of judges' signatures at the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals, and they also forged a panel of judges' signatures at the 2nd District Court of Appeals. And what this transfer was... Thank you, Mr. Anderson. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, we are now going to go to item number 36, and this has to do with eminent domain. Um, would you like to speak to this county attorney? I, I, th I thought that 36 was moved to consent. Oh, it is. Yeah. Yes. Uh, All right. I think you're on 38. You're right. Uh, okay, we'll take up item 38, and I have two... Speakers, Mr. Mr. Mayor, on yes. 38, I have the same conflict that I announced for number 18, so I'm going to excuse myself. Okay. Does he need to read it or no? Do I need to read it? it it's fine. We'll, we'll, it's the same exact entity. It's it's fine, Commissioner. Thank you. Okay. Go get something to eat. Commissioner Rich, do you need to speak to? I'd like to just to make a comment on number 33 when we're finished. I okay. didn't realize it was moved. Okay. I didn't want to take it off of consent. Do you want to leave it for an agenda or you want to? Pardon me? No. I okay. Just, yeah. Okay. Um, okay. We're, I have two, uh, two speakers on item 38. First one is Andrew Palmer, and the next one is Lakias Nanayakara. And I know I messed that up. Okay, that's fine. I have distributed documents for you to look at it. Mm -hmm. My name is Lactus, principal of Lactus Johalam Engineering in Fort Lauderdale, Broward County CB certified firm. Our firm has been practicing civil and structural engineering services for the last 47 years. 
I have been with the firm for the last 31 years. I've worked regularly for Broward County and local city agencies for, as a prime and a subconsultant. Our office has been unfairly accused by WWS staff of not having completed the construction documents to satisfaction to the Broward County third project manager who joined at 90% completion document for a demolition project. Third project manager and his outside consultant made two reviews of the plans and LYE, all documents reflect review comments except the following. Project manager asked me to revise potential additional cost to the county, potential liability to the county, incorrect review comments and nitpicking. Project manager said that he can't read my signature. Unethical items such as asking a survey to sign the civil engineering drawings. Once I obtained the permits and the city of Pompano Beach had even issued a letter, they said that I haven't prepared the path for obtaining a permit by a contractor. In our 47 years company history, we had never received a, a negative evaluation. I'll ask you to look at those documents in front of you. I would respectfully ask you to review the un unsubstantiated evaluation report prepared by WWS staff and direct the staff to revisit to reflect the true evaluation of Lactus Suhalam Engineering. It is apparent that they have abused their authority. We are willing to accept evaluation score of 3.5 and Lactus Suhalam Engineering worked as a prime consultant or a subconsultant for Broward County with no restriction, similar to the last 47 years, our office has been evaluated for four cities with an excellent evaluation score. In my opinion, this is not a true evaluation of our company, our performance and this contract. This is based on opinion of third project manager. It appears to be a personal vendetta. I quickly, if you have a time, I have a first. No, I'm sorry, that's, that's two minutes. Uh, okay. Mr. Palmer? Thank you. Good morning, Mr. Mayor, Mr. Vice Mayor, and Commissioners. My name is Andrew Palmer, Palmer Law Group, and I represent Loctus Yohalem Engineering, but I also speak to you today as a very concerned citizen of Broward County. I've known Loctus Naniakara for 12 years. I've employed his office as experts in the civil engineering field for my construction law practice here in Fort Lauderdale, and there's no structural engineering firm I respect more. In the recent county vendor evaluation report for his work at the North Regional uh, Wastewater Plant, the county staff has accused Lactus Naniakara of not properly completing his contract to of the design drawings and specifications for demolition of a portion of the facility. I reviewed the doc documents <clears throat> and found that his firm had completed every proper task item. The exceptions would be items which were not proper engineering practice or could potentially create a liability to the county. His firm initiated with the city of Pompano Beach the dry run uh, review, which was accepted by the city of Pompano Beach, and the city opened a permit application but closed it when no construction or demolition firm was hired by the division to accept the permit and perform the work. I believe that Loctus has been personally targeted because he refused to act unprofessionally and at least in part because of his color. It appears that the culture of the Broward County Water and Wastewater Division is extremely negative 
I believe that the division is attempting to shut the door on small minority-owned firms. The department is creating excuses, not reasons, to cover their actions. Lactus's office works as prime consultant for many local cities, and you have in the package that he's been giving you evaluations from those cities. There isn't a negative one in there. Over the last 47 years, his company has never had an issue with the county. The third project manager came to this project at 90% had major issues with Loctus personally. I will ask that you look at the remarks made by the project manager. In one case, he wrote, nonsense. If that was a professional criticism, he should have said exactly what was wrong with the drawings in, 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 uh, in less dismissive terms, more professional terms. Instead, he wrote nonsense. That's highly unprofessional. Thank you, Mr. Palmer. Thank you. I'll now come go to the dais. Anybody want to speak? Yeah. yeah. Commissioner Holmes. Me too. Followed by Commissioner I, I, I met with uh, Lactus. Uh, I won't attempt to say his last name. Okay. I don't, know. Good <laughs> I don't want to mess it up. Uh, and looked at some of these documents. For example, I thought your signature was your signature. Yeah. And that meant to be legible, but as you sign it. And in one document, there is a place for his signature, and, and uh, there's a mark from our staff that it's not legible. Uh, there was another part in the document where it was asked for where in the document an item was, and it was right below that uh, comment. From, from our staff. And, and, and throughout the whole thing, there's so much that I saw that in my mind, and I'm no engineer, wasn't necessarily called for or, or, or just went above and beyond uh, what would seems to be professional in terms of the comments. Uh, I'm very concerned about this. And, and I did meet with uh, Director Garcia to discuss it with him. Uh, I'm, I'm wondering if we could have the staff person explain to us what is it that he saw that was so bad, why he had to mark this up so much, and, 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 and what's the issue? Mr. Garcia. Uh, County Administrator, do we have the actual person here that did this? Project manager is here. Please. Good afternoon. In, in terms of the signature not being legible, is, is that required that they, they sign legible? Uh, not necessarily, no. Uh, there's, there's a space in, in this document where you ask uh, for the, uh, where's this in document in terms of project and location uh, description? And, and, and just below that, in 1.2, it states work of this contract com uh, comprises the, the, the demolition of a Bell Press building complex located in North Regional Waste and Water Treatment Plant Site in Pompano, Florida. 
That's correct. So you, it, you, you have a question as to where it is in the document? Well, I don't have the document that you're looking at. If, if we might, and let me, if you can just stand there for a second, I'd like to have um, Mr. Garcia start with, let's explain what, um, what the project was uh, um, and um, what, this, what these documents refer to, because as, if I'm not, on, if I understand it, these are, these are supposed to be specifications that we put out for bid. So if you can if you can start with that and then with, that might shed some light on um, the 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 specifics of this of these documents. Sure. Go ahead. Um, so this was a deliberately phased agreement that we enter, entered into with Lactis Um The first phase of this agreement was for the demolition of our uh, belt filter uh, filter belt press building. Um, Mr. Nanayakara submitted the first submittal, what was supposed to be 100% complete final plans. We came back with comments on that. At that time, Mr. Moore, who had just taken over as a project manager, hadn't even met Mr. Nanayakara yet. Mr. Nanayakara submitted a second set of submittals, okay, which were also supposed to be complete. Once again, those had a lot of errors. At that point, we asked a third-party independent engineer to come in and take a look at those plans and give us an opinion, okay? This way, we can make sure that it's not us. We're not being, you know, overly subjective. You know, let's see what this third party said. Third party concurred. The plans were not in a biddable format and were not ready to be sent for bidding purposes. They had a lot of errors that need to be corrected. We gave Mr. Nana Yakara a third opportunity to correct those plans. They still, as of this date, are not corrected. We expected those plans to be 100% perfect by that third submittal. They are not. The comments that you see, a lot of the comments um, and, and comments provided by Mr. Nanya Carrot were from the third submittal, some are from the second submittal. Commissioner, in response to your question, those comments, when, when we say, where is this list in the comments, we expected that, for instance, in this case, the project description location after that would have been noted as section 1.2. Typically in the section where you say the section includes the particular section, you'll list the section number. So somebody says, okay, owner occupancy, I flipped to section 1.4. Those were what those comments were. These comments, on a, on, you know, as presented, if they would have been the only comments on these plans, it wouldn't have been an issue. They would have been corrected the first time, you know, going and, and correct, and, and, we would have been done. We would have had a biddable set of plans. Okay, they weren't. Okay. Mr. Garcia, can yeah. I interrupt you for one second? I need a motion to extend the meeting. Move it. Second. second. Motion to second. All those in favor, extending for how much? How much? Fifteen. Minutes. Fifteen minutes. Say aye. 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 Okay. Aye. Uh, it's been extended for fifteen. Let, let him finish first. So you know your your comment about the the legibility of his signature. That's not, you know, we're not here asking for a termination for convenience because the signature was illegible. You know, staff certainly want to make sure that that, in fact, was his signature, that somebody else hadn't, you know, signed it, because we've had issues with uh, unsigned documents being submitted at the 100% level. But the problem is we went through all these processes. We even hired, like I said, a third party that did a blind review, meaning they didn't know whose plans they were reviewing. The name title blocks were all whited out. This way there's no, you know, it's 
completely anonymous. Um, and, you know, I've got the, the firm that did the work, Brown and Caldwell, here, in case there's any questions of them. You know, they supported staff's um, determination and staff's uh, review of those plans. And so, like I said, by the time the third plan came in, even though, you know, Mr. Naniyakari might say these are nitpicking comments, the reality is by the time that third submittal came in, we expected it to be 100% perfect, okay? Because we had gone through it two other times, which is pretty much unprecedented for our projects to have to go through that many submittals to try to get it right. And when I reviewed it, I still have found errors in the third submittal. And, and the, the reality, is, reality is this. We're not trying to be malicious. We have nothing against Mr. Nana Yakara. Um, we work with all ethnicities when it comes to our, our consultants, our contractors. Um, all we're doing is trying to protect our ratepayers' investment in our system. And that's it. Anything further, Commissioner? Yeah, let, let, let me say this, that for it to be 100% perfect, I hear you. But if you look at this document, even the way languages utilize workmanship, there's a cross out for that, that, that it shouldn't be workmanship. It, it, I, to be honest with you, I'm very uncomfortable with what happened here. And, and I don't know that we're doing this to all our other contractors. I hope that we're consistent in our action, that we are not working cooperatively with some and others were beaten up. Okay, so again, it doesn't make sense to me some of the, what I see in this. Sure. Common sense, and you don't have to be a, a technical person to see that there's stuff in here that ought not be there in terms of what we put this man through, okay? okay? Commissioner, I can tell you, you know, while some things, for instance, grammar, okay? Most people say, well, does the grammar matter? But I can tell you, when we submit these, these specifications to purchasing for bid, they will catch us and they will make us correct it. If we don't have sections numbered, if we don't have page numbers, those are things we will have to correct from purchasing. So we know that, and that's why we tell our consultants, you know, put page numbers on there. Is that something that makes the, 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 the plans fatally flawed? No, but it's something that needs to be corrected in order to have plans that are going to pass through purchasing and put out to bid. Commissioner Rich first, I'm sorry. And thank then you. Vice Mayor Bogan. Um, thank you. I really can't speak to the, to the plans themselves and the content, except when I read this, it made me sick. I, I think that this is so unprofessional and rude. The comments are so uncalled for. And I, I have a real problem that that's this, I, I'm, look, I'm looking at this and all this the nonsense and really please. I mean, it's, it's demeaning to somebody. And uh, if the plans are wrong, that's another story. But not to be treated like this. Um, the, the issue with the gender reference, and you can tell somebody about that if, you know, if maybe they don't realize that we're not, someone's not using the word manhole anymore, although I don't know what word is the right word, but manhole and, work, and workmanship. I mean, I think, you know, uh, I would question about this. But again, I, I just don't think anybody that is working with us, uh, one of our, 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 our contractors, vendors, should be treated in this way. 
And um, I think we need to make sure that this doesn't happen again. Vice Mayor Bogan. I concur with uh, Commissioner Rich. And um, I, I'd like to ask uh, the gentleman a question real quickly. <coughs> I'm sorry, I'm really bad with names. Lotkis, sorry. So you just heard uh, um, our staff talk about the first plans were incorrect, gave you a chance to fix it, the second plans were errors. Was that accurate? Those are not errors. The review comment, this is the second set you have it in front of you. I'll read some of the paragraphs. I corrected all of the items that's supposed to be the spelling mistakes, the grammar mistakes, the labeling it. When there are items that is going to put the county at a jeopardy, liability, potential uh, additional cost expenses. I have highlighted those in red and yellowed it for you to see. And then unethical items like get your survey to sign the civil engineer's drawing, those are unethical. You cannot ask those type of things from someone to do it. I'm sorry, what were you asked that's unethical? Unethical, he had asked me four sheets of drawing prepared by a, a civil engineer. And he's telling, get a survey to sign and seal this document. Is that legal? It is illegal. Do you have it in front of you? This item. Uh, Thank you. You know, I want, Alan? Can you respond to that? C1? No, I'd like to, I'd like to have uh, Mr. I'm Garcia. I'm not aware. Typically, if you have surveyed information on a, a set of plans, the surveyor will sign it in addition to the, uh, to the engineer. The surveyor is just signing to the boundary, the elevations, stuff like that, that the engineer is just taking from the surveyor and assuming that the surveyor is right. But, you know, the surveyor, you know, can sign and seal that to say, hey, these are my survey, you know, elevations. You know, and it, it relieves the, the, the engineer of being responsible in case the elevations are not correct because the survey was not correct. I regret to say the survey's drawing is here. Survey's drawing is identified at SU1. It's in the package. That's the number one item. And he go through it and say, where's the survey's drawing? Last question. Wait, let me just ask one last question. Your attorney. I just wanted to address that comment. Yeah. Uh, in a prior lifetime, I worked for insurance companies that wrote malpractice insurance for architects and engineers and surveyors and so on. And I've had 17 years down here in construction law, and that is absolutely false. No civil engineer is going to let a surveyor stamp the civil engineer's plans, and no surveyor is going to stamp plans he did not draw. That is an absolute wrong statement. I've seen malpractice claims come in for things like that and paid, I didn't pay it, my company did, but paid malpractice claims for that. So asking for a surveyor stamp on a civil engineer's drawings, absolutely wrong. I'm not prepared to move forward with this and I, and I don't know, I would like to make a motion to defer this to our next meeting so we could find out more information because the one thing I don't want is someone to be treated unfairly um, by anybody in this county, if he is treated, maybe he's treated fairly, I don't know. But I, I can't move forward with this and vote competently. Mr. Bogan, can I say something? I worked in this county for 31 years. I, I don't need any more. No. I just want to make a motion to defer this. I have a motion and a second to table two. Do you have a particular time you want to bring it back? Next meeting? Commissioner Geller, is that your phone? 
Oh, Commissioner no, Shreve. No, that's me. Okay. You just go through a wind tunnel? Why'd you go through there? Okay, we have a motion. It's back. In a second. And a to, second. To defer it until the next meeting. To the next Is meeting? Is that okay? Okay, all those in favor? Aye. Aye. Any, any, any opposed? Commissioner Mark, you didn't get a chance to speak, and I know you were on the queue. Do you want to hold your comments, or? If we're going to take up a different time, I, I do, because I've got lots of experiences with Bird County that I'd be happy to share. Okay, all right. Okay, with that, that passes um, <coughs> unanimously. With, oh, I'm sorry, with one abstention. Council, so eight to zero. if you want to meet and talk sometime, so appointment. I will do that, thank you. I think you should talk to you. Okay, you. with that, we have two more items that are should be pretty quick um, one we're up to item 39 and this has to do with uh, Commissioner Sharif because she's she's on a couple of other boards and she's having a conflict with being on the uh, cultural council so I need someone else who may be who might be interested in being on the cultural council yeah that's a good question I don't know is Earl here by any chance they're meeting. I think, Mr. He, I think Commissioner. They're meeting on. They're meeting, they're meeting on Thursday. Yes, Commissioner Shreve. Uh, the Cultural Council meets at the same time that the MPO meets, and so I can never make the meeting on time. So if anybody's on the MPO, they will conflict with the Cultural Council. I just wanted to let them know. That. Oh, okay. I think it meets right after. It's. it's not I asked. Well, I asked Earl Bosworth if there was a possibility of changing the meeting, and, and he, he said he was going to look into it. But I've talked to him since, and he said it's not going to be possible. Oh, okay. Because it was like having to change 26 other schedules, which was a little dumb. Which was okay. a little the meetings are on the first Thursday at 12 o'clock. So, so there is there's some overlap there with the MPO. Yeah. Is there anybody that would like to be on that? Okay. Okay. Anybody else? Okay. Um, do you want to? I'll make a motion for I, uh, Commissioner Lamarca to be on the uh, culture committee. Okay. We have a motion second to have Commissioner Lamarca be on there. All those in favor? Aye. Any opposed? Okay. Aye. Okay. Was Commissioner Lamarca okay with that motion? He was very happy with that motion. He was begging. Uh, okay. Yes. In that case, I'm Commissioner Shreve, you're relieved of duty. <laughs> Okay, with that, we're going to go. Thank you, Commissioner Lamarco. <laughs> and with that, we're going to go to Commissioner Shreve's item on number number 44. And this will be our last item. This has to do with um, changing the ethics code and allowing for, if I believe, if I saw that right, allowing for elected officials to, to provide appearances in public service announcements. Um, Commissioner Shreve, would you, would you like to explain your proposal? regarding our E911 system and others. And um, it's not necessarily a conflict on the state level, but based on our ethics provision in terms of the amount, I guess, of the value of a public service announcement, there, it, it places a value on it that exceeds that limit. And as the, as, since it is for public purposes, and it is for informational purposes for our 
community. I um, put the item on so that we could have the discussion and hopefully uh, fix what the, the issue. And um, I would now defer to our county attorney so that he could explain it in further detail if necessary. Okay. Uh, with the, I also need an extension for another 10 minutes, probably. I have a motion second. All those in favor? 10 minutes. <laughs> Aye. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. Any opposed? That passes. Uh, County Attorney. Yes, public service announcements uh, under some decisions or opinions of the Ethics Commission uh, can bestow the gift of publicity. Uh, so the bottom line is under our ethics code, if, if uh, Commissioner Sharif's public service announcement appeared on the county website, no problem, it just has to have a disclosure. But if it's going to appear on our partners' websites, the municipalities, there's a $50 limitation on it that would not apply under state law. So we would just make that simple modification and to the extent it also uh, impeded other uh, reporting individuals who were not elected officials from doing the same thing, we would uh, craft that as well. So it's, our direction is pretty clear and I think it's an unintended consequence of the, of the ethics code. Commissioner Holmes? So let, me, let me ask, so if I go on a radio program to talk about an issue, is that an issue? No, you saw PSAs. It, it's, we always have to analyze it, but the answer generally is no, that's not a problem. Uh, the, but the opinions are very interesting on publicity uh, so uh, I, I'd like to speak with you about that, uh, and we can pr certainly provide some general guidance. But no, appearing on a news program uh, and just providing uh, your opinion or some facts on county information, uh, county activities, uh, in almost every circumstance would not be a problem. So county activities, you, you, you single that out. But how about if it's a community activity, something that is benefiting the community that... I'm supporting, and I go on a program to support that. Is there an issue? No, that's that's not going to be an issue. There are always exceptions, and so we should uh, speak generally about it. But just appearing on a news program and presenting information or your opinions on things of public interest in almost every circumstance, and none I can – we don't like to give absolutes because sometimes people – there can be workarounds – that uh, do bestow publicity, but just appearing on a news program and addressing these issues is not going to be a gift problem under our code or under state law. Okay, and, and, I, and, I, and I hate to be parsing words here, but you're, you're saying a news program. Now, it might be a radio program that's not necessarily classified as a news program. It, it's, uh, it, it may be a pastor that has a program that I'm on his show talking about community stuff. It's, it's, it's going to uh, be fine virtually every time, Commissioner. I mean, there are, uh, unless there's some intention to bestow publicity, if the purpose of it is basically to get the information out there when you're dealing with news programs, there's absolutely no problem. Uh, if it's during uh, uh, an election cycle and other things are going on, we may want to analyze it, but no, you can appear. It's not just news programs. I'm, uh, you can appear on the general. Yeah, program. I just want to make sure that you're not saying news program and then I have an issue down the road. No, I was, okay. uh, no. You and, don't. and any any kind of program that is disseminating information to the public? I, I mean, yes, if it's, if it's something that is a forum that's generally open and you're appearing on that forum, the answer would be that there's no problem. If there were 
a program that were produced for the purpose of just presenting the views of an elected official, that may be something that we'd want to examine as to whether there are gift implications. Okay. I'll move it. I have, I have one. I did, I did see one state that had um, restricted the use of PSAs to the year that you were actually uh, from January 1st to November elections. So when, when you're looking at, when you're, this is a, a motion to direct, if you could look through those concerns or those variations on that, I'd appreciate it. Yes. Commissioner Marco. Drew, uh, so this is, when I, when I hear PSA, uh, it's that it's being played at the airport or somewhere on uh, television or in some space where PSAs are, are sponsored, yeah. but you know, it's in a public setting. If we do a hurricane preparedness video or an animal care uh, instructional or, or that type of thing, but we put it on our Broward County website, is it the same thing? Yes, it, it's, we would analyze it to see if it arguably created uh, the gift of publicity. If it did, the only thing that would be required would be a disclosure. I think it's a Form 10 that gets filed uh, in connection with your Form 6. And in order for that obligation to be triggered, the county would have to notify you by, I believe the date is March 1st, that you've received that gift. So if you, if you participate in that, and this is something that uh, I saw uh, attending an agenda review, I don't think the issue had previously been flagged. Uh, we're gonna go back and we're actually circling back with each commission office to see which public service announcements you may be involved in. And so you may have certain gift disclosures that you need to do, but there's not a problem being on the county website at all. It's just disclosure. Okay, but I mean, if, if the PSA being on, on our, our district uh, website at the county is a public service announcement, isn't the entire district website? I mean, at what point, I mean, just because it's a video on our webpage, I mean, they literally have to go to that to get to it. And, and it's fine because to the extent that's a gift, it would be a gift from the county accomplishing a public purpose. Okay. So there's no limitation on the amount that can be received. But if the value is over $100 or if we're not sure, if it exceeds $100, then we would uh, counsel you to file a disclosure. So, Okay. We have a motion and a second to direct this to the county attorney. All those... I have a question, Mr. Mayor. Yes. Would you like to weigh I'm in sorry, on this? Uh, this? Yeah, this is Mr. Meyer. Um, Drew, are you saying then that when we do things on our own web page that that could trigger disclosure if we are posting newsletters or whatever, that that could require disclosure? Uh, no, Commissioner, uh, Senator Geller, it's, uh, if it's on your own personal web page, then you haven't received a, a gift from anybody. If it is on the county uh, webpage and it's just informational, uh, we don't believe that that's a publicity. There is just a, a series of opinions having to do with public service announcements. One of them is the Tampa Airport. One of them was an anti-littering campaign on Miami Beach where they found that it bestowed the gift of publicity. That's why we're flagging this specifically, but just something that's an informational post on your, on your website uh, would not, uh, I mean, un under, there may be circumstances I'm not considering right now, but it would certainly would not generally uh, require any disclosure. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Okay. All those in favor, vote say aye. Aye. All those opposed? Aye. Okay, that passes unanimously. And with that, that concludes the agenda. Oh, that's right. Well, it's, 
going to be eight to zero. Commissioner Rich. I just have a one. I'm sorry, one comment um, that I wanted to make about item number 33, which okay. was approved on consent, but I just wanted to uh, um, just let everybody know, I didn't want it to just go without a comment to thank um, our administration, uh, Bertha. Uh, it was one of the things I started talking about when I first got here, uh, the child care center at the new, court, at the new courthouse, um, and uh, Alfonso Jefferson and the Human Service Department. And I'm really excited about the fact that this authorizes the appropriation and, and disbursement uh, to the YWCA of uh, Greater Miami-Dade, who will be the provider providing uh, temporary child supervision uh, at the courthouse. Uh, primarily, it will be for uh, people who come there because of domestic violence uh, issues and injunctions relating to that. So it will be a safe place uh, where things will be uh, done in a very developmentally appropriate way. There are three of them in Dade County, and this is our, our first one. So I'm really excited, and I want to just say thank you to uh, you all for making it happen. Okay. All right. Um, with that, I'm going to go to the mayor's report. Uh, I've just, just handed out a list of all the uh, dates where we have to be at the canvassing board. One of us has to be at it um, because I'm running for re-election this year. The, all, the, all the dates from July 11th, um, I, cannot be, I cannot participate in. And if you, are, um, in, if you are running for this year, you cannot be part of that as well. So if you're not, um, I would like to ask those who could be available. <laughs> and there's not many of you. Uh, if, you could, if you could look at these dates, there's only there's four. There's I think it's two people sitting here that can't. I know. So we're going to hand this back over to Tim and uh, whoever else can. But if you if you could see which dates might be available, I'd appreciate it. I know. Mr. Mayor, do we have to be available for all four, or can we split them up? Oh, we can split them up. We can we can definitely split them up. I think okay, I'll I'll be happy to take one or two of them. Okay, I put your name on all of them. But we'll take some on both. Okay. <laughs> But my, 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 my understanding is if you have endorsed people, you cannot also. Correct. Is that correct? That's my understanding. Yeah, that's, that's what I was told by the attorney. I know. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll I find out through this. I hereby retract I my volunteering. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm, I'm, uh, Commissioner Geller, you can't see it, but I'm handing out dates with uh, – a place where you can mark whether you're available or not. And that goes for, oh, actually, Commissioner Shreve can't do this. Okay, and that, other than that, um, we had an opening of the terminal this uh, uh, last week, which was very, very nice for those who've had a chance to go to Terminal 1 and 2. It looks great. They did a great job. Yes? We're just about to lose our forum. I just okay. Okay. Hold, hold up. Okay. Be real quick. Um, in fact, I'll just, I'll just, Go to the next one real quick. I'll skip the rest. Do you want to speak? No. Okay. We're, we don't need a quorum for non-agenda, right? It's technically agen it's agended. Like oh, it is. Okay. Well, you got 20 Wait, seconds. All right. Okay. Anything you want to say, non-agenda? Historical Festival, February 24th, okay. uh, 9 a.m. Okay. that it? That's historic. Uh, that is. Yes. He, would have, he would have won so much money on that one. <laughs> there's, there's a lot more, but, but, but you guys are limiting me, so yeah, okay. I, I, I'll go ahead. Commissioner Lamarca? No. Nope. Vice Mayor Bogan? I got a couple hours for it. Oh, my God. <laughs> hey, Larry, I wanted to know, um, you know, with that picture in the 
use that picture with the uh, baseball. All the players are saying that their names, picture, and likeness were used without written permission. So we'll talk later about the <laughs> money that the Sun Sentinels are going to have to pay uh, to use all those players' photos and, and stuff. So uh, whenever you want to get together, well, I'll be glad to talk <laughs> to you about that. <laughs> he got the last. Well, he got the last uniform. He's the only one with a different color uniform. Oh, we still have county administrator. Mr. Uh, Mayor, county audit. Put me in the cube. Yes, Commissioner Geller, go ahead. Very briefly, I'll be I'm, attending the lobbyist meeting for Broward County lobbyists tonight, and tomorrow we'll be attending Broward Days, and, and I'm also tomorrow speaking to 50 uh, high school students that are coming up for Broward Days. That's it. And we'll see you up there in a couple hours. Commissioner Sharif. She's already on the plane up to Broward Days. County Auditor. Nothing. Mr. Mayor, if you're going to be here tonight, you might want to come to the lobbyist meeting if you're here by 630. Text me and let me know where it is. Yes, sir. Yes. No, yes. Okay. I think that concludes all the business. Thank you very much. This meeting is adjourned.